Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Alright. Um, well, I am recording with both because I started the task earlier. Okay, and I'm recording on my end too. Okay. Should be good to go. Cool. Alright, everyone ready? Yes, sir. Yup. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And we have a special guest, first time on the show, Shannon Turner from Only Fine Hellies. Hey, guys. Hey, Shannon. Hey, how's it going? Very good. How about y'all? Very good. Very good. Good. This is episode number 131, Shannon from Only Fine Helly. 131. 131. Wow. Y'all are ancient. I know. We're like, you know, about to retire. Kidding. I'm just the passenger looking out the window as everything goes by at this point. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, another week. Yeah, yeah, seriously. (laughs) All right. So let's catch up with everyone's week first. Uh, Who'd like to go first? Me, me, me. Kevin, why don't you go first? Dude, I got to go first because it was crazy, man. I had one of the best weekends. I flew on Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. Let me let me start by saying this. Uh, like what about four weeks ago, we got a message from James Cadiz, and yes. he said, "I'm coming to Jersey. I'm going to be right by your field. Uh, you guys want to go to dinner, or let's get together, do some flying." And we were like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it." And both of us totally forgot he was coming into yes. town. <laughs> so I went down to the field on Saturday, and uh, it was supposed to rain, and it really wasn't. It didn't rain at all. It wasn't that bad. I flew a couple times with the Oxys. Had some really good flights. I brought my SBOC down and got a flight or two on that. And that was, that was fun. I mean, I, I understand why the guy who sold me the SBOC sold it to me, uh, for that cheap and why he got rid of it. Because when I took it up, I, I've, I had flown this before, but I was still getting the CG down and all that stuff. Huh? And it's the FMS SBOC. It's a nice size. It's probably like, like 48, 50 inch wingspan. Mm-hmm. And when I took this up this past weekend, the elevator was insane, like insane. I've never flown an airplane that hasn't been like the Viggen, you know, but that's just bank and yank with a single elevator. And it's been this crazy. Like it was nuts. I had my rates. I had like 60% expo. I had my rates at like 50% and it was still way too much. So I bring it down and I see that the, on the control horn, it's at the very end, the push, the push rod. So Mm -hmm. I moved it to about half that and took it back up and it was still it was still pretty crazy but it was it was real i liked it a lot better and i was like man i know exactly why he sold this thing because it was a handful i mean it's a handful it's definitely not the sequoia with the you know the 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 stabilization on it you Mm -hmm. know s3x yep it's different and it was pretty squirrely windy up up when you got up there this weekend so you know it was getting pushed around it's, it's definitely not a 700. No. And like, <laughs> I, I, I can definitely feel like I would love more power for that thing. It feels like it, it's lacking. It just, it's, it feels like it's just a cruiser and not, it doesn't have the engine for like a, or the motor for a 3D aspect part of it, you know? Mm. So then I get, I'm leaving the field and we get a text from James and he's like, Hey, I'm in town. And you know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even remember. Whoa. Whoops. 
Sorry, so, James. <laughs> so I'm like, James, you know, too bad you didn't let me know early. I, I got, you know, a couple things I got to do tomorrow. And he's like, well, I did let you know early. <laughs> I'll let you know like four weeks ago. So, yeah. so we were both like, oops. Yeah. And so I, I came home. Luckily we weren't doing anything. The wife was like, no, you want to go? Just go, man. Have, have fun. Yeah. So I told him, I said, I'll be at the field at 10. Show up whenever you want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, dude, he showed up around 11 and, the mayhem was just how many times do we crash down there on a weekend if we if, if we got a lot of guys flying helis maybe once maybe two of us yeah right? it's usually you me and it's maybe john john <laughs> it's usually you um yeah. <laughs> well john crashed on saturday uh-huh. and then sunday we had a lot of pilots there you i know. heard he crashed on sunday too right did he or did he crash both helis on saturday he crashed his oxy, uh, the 6S oxy that he had, and he also crashed his local 550. Oh, I didn't hear about the 550. Oh, yeah, that went in. So he kept saying the field was hungry this weekend, and it was uh-huh. very true because we had like five people crash this weekend, helicopter, just helicopters. And then Muse, yeah, yeah. I think, flipped over his biplane on takeoff. I think he had the ailerons reversed, and then he crashed. But it was nuts, man. I crashed on... I came. Uh, James, James came out, and we were hanging out, and I got a flight in, and he was like, "Man, you know, you're, you're not bad. You know, you're doing pretty good." And then, as soon as he said that, brr, I put it right <laughs> in the ground. Right. And Bill came out. Bill in. He crashed. Yeah, it's four twenty sport. Mm-hmm. John crashed his oxy, like he said. And I didn't know about the the five fifty. Glenn came up from South Jersey, and he crashed <laughs> towards the end of the day, and he put it's it in. Yep. I heard this dude, and it was your classic like nineteen forty sound effects. It was just <laughs> boom, and it was like ground shaking when it hit. Wow, it was crazy, man. <laughs> so we had a lot of crashes. That part wasn't fun. Uh, but I mm-hmm. guess if, you know, a guy comes out from California and comes, you know, 2,500 miles or whatever across the United States. Yeah, man. <laughs> we put on a hell of a show for him. Yeah, man. Uh, but I saw Eric came out. Eric Brickenback from, from Pennsylvania. He was out. Yep. Like I said, Glenn came up. Bill Ann was there. The McClellans were there. Yeah. And dude, Devin is getting <laughs> insanely good. Like, if he goes down to HOD this weekend and flies the way he flew this past weekend, he's Mm going to have people really taking notice because he's doing stuff. I'm not going to say I I know what everybody does and I've seen, you know, guys fly, but I've seen, you know, Kyle Stacey and Diamante fly and stuff like that. And he's doing a few things that were new to me that I haven't seen before. Like, he's doing sort of aileron TikToks, but then he's moving it to where he's using the elevator and he's actually just like it's so weird it's hard to describe it's almost like a a mini hurricane TikToking as he's as he's whipping it i don't even know how to describe it dude you just have to say it mm. and he's he's just getting crazy good that kid he was doing autos inverted autos from like 600 feet up i didn't say that ama i said four no no 400 400 yes but, <laughs> It was insanity, man. He was coming down and loading that head so much we were like, like that, those blades are just gonna come shooting off. But the main meat and potatoes of of Sunday, dude, was definitely hanging out with James and his buddy Kyle. Uh, yeah, they were fantastic people to just like the flying was secondary. James is such a great guy, and 
and Kyle's only been hovering. He's only been flying helicopters for like a month. And they oh, buddy- really? Yeah, and they buddy boxed him. McClellan's mm-hmm. buddy boxed him on um on Bill Ann's uh, Oxy Four, and mm-hmm. he was doing great with that. And it was really cool to see a guy come off the field after all the craziness that's going on, and sit down and go. You know what? That was amazing. I had such a great time hovering that helicopter, and you know, I'm I'm the uh, the hover king or whatever. I don't know, he was calling himself something like <laughs> right, that, right. you know. And, and uh, yeah, it was really cool to see him. Like he was he was into it, and he told me he said, you know, this is the only hobby I have right now. You know, I've I've had other hobbies, kind of, but uh-huh. he goes, this is the serious, the first serious hobby I've had. Right. Nice. And, and dude, James, just an amazing guy to talk to. I mean, we've had him on the show. And, you know, he's a pastor from California there. And, uh, yeah, dude, what, a, like, we we had some really good conversations about, you know, people in the hobbies and how do you fix certain things and, you know, whether or not we could fix them and just really cool, deep conversations about, about the hobby. And you can tell how much he's into it. And it's the same with Kyle and everybody that was there. And, you know, McToon was just right off the bat with his attitude and, and the way he jokes around. He held back no punches. And it was just, it was, we had a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. It was great. And you, you came out for, you know, a little bit there, which was, was amazing to see. I'm glad you showed up, dude. I had to. I had to. <laughs> so I'm ordering parts uh-huh. for, for if I can run down my fleet real quick, my, I, I put in the Oxy 255 and I ordered some serious amounts of parts for that because I got, I usually ordered your basic, you know, main gear and sh- main shaft and spindle and all that. But uh, I don't really order too much stuff for the tail. And I busted that tail piece like right off at the end. Like the, the holder that goes in at the end when you put your belt through, I, I broke the tail boom right at that point. It looked like somebody just snapped it right off. And, wow. uh, yeah, so now mm-hmm. I have I have you know the tail shaft slash pinion parts to order and uh, that feathering shaft type thing that I had to order. So I got a lot of parts coming. I don't know. I was looking at my parts downstairs. I might be putting together another one. I don't know. We'll see. Because I have a lot another of spare parts. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I don't I, know. I would wait. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, I might have it uh, airframe. You <laughs> sure. know what I mean. Uh, and my 690, dude, I brought the one-way bearing out, but when I took apart, the 690 has a little metal piece that holds the one-way bearing in, and it also covers the pinion on the motor, and it has a little bearing in that, and the bearing that's on the one-way that kind of holds the one-way in, that was really notchy. We noticed that that was, because we were trying to get the one-way out, it's kind of pressed in. Yeah. And you never replaced that when you replaced the one-way? No, so I ordered that for the 690 as well so i'm hoping to have that ready for hod and i'm hoping to have my parts for the oxy ready for hod i, I kept thinking all weekend about rchn saying you know don't fly before the, the fun fly you're gonna go to but uh i have my other <laughs> right. oxy i have my 285 i flew that a yeah. bunch of times and that's that's flying good so um yeah man uh, i'm gonna probably remember a thousand things that i forgot um Mike Longo was there too, um, hanging yeah. out and he crashed too. That's right. He yeah. crashed one of the four, uh, aligned 550s, mm-hmm. which he's another guy that never really, I've never seen him really put one in. And he, he did. He said he lost signal over on the left hand side where we lose signal every now and then. Um, mm. so it's very strange, man. But, uh, 
Yeah, oh, dude. I couldn't believe the carnage. I couldn't believe he's still using that radio. And no wonder he leaves the thing. I don't know. What, that 72 megahertz? Dude, it's a DX6i, man. That thing is so ancient now. And I, I guess it works, but like as your primary radio to use every time, I don't trust it. I don't trust Spectrum for the most part as it is, but then to like use such an old radio that still has like the bent antenna and stuff. <laughs> like I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, bent I don't antenna, know. That's right. You know, so it's not pointing the right direction. There's your dead zone. You know? But yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely right. But you know, got some guys, you know, don't have the funds to for the hobby. I kind of understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I don't know if I would look for a fifth model. Uh, no, no. You know, before I before I upgraded to like a DX9 yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, or at least like or a DX8 or, or, or yeah, or something. You know, anything. <laughs> you know, if you want to keep Spectrum, fine. DX8 or even DX8E. <laughs> the six I doesn't have the the dual antennas, does it? Only no. a single. No, it's a single whip, and it's right. like has a you know a ninety degree bend where you can like kind of point which way it bends. But like at least a DX six, like the newer DX six, you know, just the next generation of it would have been so much better. But you know, yeah, you know what it is. It's, it's he's never really had issues before, so why replace something that's not broken, right? Right. So it makes sense. So uh, my weekend was amazing, dude. I woke up Monday and I was like, I'm like beat. I'm like beat from <laughs> this need weekend. A, you need a vacation from your weekend, huh? <laughs> like I was doing stupid, st- stupid things that I normally do. Yeah, when I when I work hard, like for a week or I don't know, just you know, dumb things I was doing. I was like, wow, I'm really tired from this weekend. <laughs> uh, but it was fantastic. To see James, like I said, man, yeah. and, and his buddy Kyle, man, and dude, I was I I drove away from the field going. I'm I'm in I'm like in awe that he came out and we actually you know our paths crossed in life and and got a chance mm-hmm. to hang out and and what two great human beings that they are man I mean it was just like I said really good conversation the flying was almost secondary I even posted it on Facebook man I was just it was awesome it was it was everything the hobby should be you know mm-hmm. awesome, so man. uh how was your week <laughs> uh yeah you know. Hobby wise, I've been just I've been working on that crawler, just getting that thing painted up now and almost done. I got a chance to pack up the um, the Baja Five B, so that's gonna be pretty much on its way to Florida. But uh, I just actually, <laughs> it's funny because I, I was talking to Gator and he's the one buying it from me, and and basically it was like. You know, I was like, uh, he he asked me this morning, oh, did you find out the shipping? I was like, dude, I went to post office, gave him the dimensions and the weight, and they're like $130 to ship ground. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a 30 by 24 by 18 box, and then it's uh, 40 pounds. Wow. So, so it's not small, it's not light, you know, so it's, it's, it's a decent, you know, obviously it's a fit scale buggy, it's pretty big and heavy. And, but it was funny because he was like, yeah, you know, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'm like, you know, I'll go, I'll go to FedEx or UPS and see how much they'll charge, but most likely they'll be cheaper for this type of package, like the bigger stuff. Okay. Um, and then I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, Bert and Kyle coming down this weekend. I'm gonna see them. I'm going to HOD. I'm uh-huh. like, 
shit. <laughs> Your boss is going to be here. I'm just going to hand it to him. So double check with him that he's cool with bringing it back home. But <laughs> I'm going to bring it with me to HOD. So he's like, yeah, I'll check with them. It should, should be a problem. Nice. So, I mean, he was going to pay for shipping anyway. So it just saves him, the you know, 100 bucks or whatever it was going to be. So right. it worked out. Um, got that done. I started working on my scale heli, my um, Augusto 109. So I'm going to do kind of what uh, what Chris Reibert does with his. It's just, you know, I'm not going to try to put a scale detail on the in- inside the cockpit and stuff. It's just, you know, it's a T-Rex in there and it's just too much work for me and not enough time. So what I'm going to just do is I'm going to just black out the windows and, and just paint the, the windows black. Uh, I am taking a Neo off there. So that's one of the things. So I started taking the head apart so I could get the top cover off. So okay. I could uh, pop the Neo off there. And I got a silver line I'm going to put on there. It's just, I feel like it's a waste of, you know, a $200 fly row system to have um, on a scale heli that I'm just going to go back and forth scale flying. So, so yeah, Sunday I came out. Yeah, you know, I feel so bad, James. So, James, if you're listening, sorry again. Um, originally, I was supposed to go out Saturday flying, and then I didn't end up doing that. And then I was like, okay. You know, he texted us. He was like, yeah, so what do you guys mean to go to the field? I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, it totally slipped my I mind. I know, like, I know, totally. And I was just so blindsided, like, holy crap. Until I sent that text saying, you know, if you would have gave me a little yeah, yeah, <laughs> time. Yeah. And then I felt like twice the douche. And, and you know like, what? I feel oh, even dude, worse than you. you because he spoke to me like a couple of days before. And I totally spaced oh. out. I totally spaced cadetted. And, and, you know, it's whatever. But at, at the end of the day, like. I had plans on Sunday that came up last minute. It was like, you know, one of my friend's kid's birthday, and I just I had to go. He's like my best friend. So um, so I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to go up to uh, Brewster, New York. It's like, and then it was like, oh, man, but I got to go down to the field. So I was like, you know, wife, I, I, <laughs> I got to go see James. He flew out from California, and he's going to stop by the field. I got to at least say hi to him and, like, shake his hand and meet him in person. Like, I can't, you know, there's no way I can't do that. So she's like, don't worry about it. Why don't we go to the field? Um, try to get there around 12, and then maybe like 12.30, 1 o'clock, we'll head out. So I'll give you a little bit of time to hang out. Yeah. So, you know, I came by, and, you know, we were running a little late. It happens, you know, when you have a wife, two kids. It's just, you know, you never leave when you exactly want to leave. So we ended up leaving a little bit late, got down to the field, and, you know, I basically had like 25 minutes. I banged out two quick flights on the Oxy. I was like, I got to get a couple of flights in. James wanted to see me fly. So here we go. And we just kind of hung out. It was really good to like meet James in person, shoot the shit. You know, like he he, he got a chance to meet the family and stuff. And and that was cool. Um, yeah, I got to see him fly. And boy, he is yeah. a... He's he's a student of Todd Bennett for sure, man. He flies so far away and so high up. It's so high up, man. <laughs> so high up. I'm like, holy crap! How do you see what the hell the hell he's doing? You know. Now, what did you see him fly? The the 500, the logo 550 or 500? 550? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we were like, how is he? How can he see orientation? It's a 500 heli. He's so high up. We're like, all right, I'm lost. Yeah, yeah. Like when he was doing the overspeeds, he's going up so high and then flipping over. And I guess he's just used to it, but I'm like, okay. And even even Rob standing next to me goes, yeah, I lost it. <laughs> I yeah. And it's his helicopter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I lost it. I don't you know. know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Devin was buddy boxing him. Um, and I guess one of the overspeeds or or something, it started stripping the, the main gear. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was like inverted, punched out, and then you just started to see like the, the blade slow down. You know, when you start seeing not a blur of blades, you just see like, 
all crap so yeah Devin took over flipped it over and autoed it in um, and it was out there you know it's it's one thing to auto a helicopter um, you know coming down like in front of you and you land right how all the pros do and all the people that know how to auto they come come down from whatever side you know and they they land like kind of 10-15 feet in front of them cool to auto something that's like I don't know 100 feet away (laughs) 200 feet away and land it and not tip over, I give it up for Devin. Okay, that's just a testament of how good of a pilot he is because I would have definitely landed and been like crooked and, and tipped over. Well, that's how most of my autos usually wind up <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I was surprised that uh, that thing came down and was in no no problems in the landing gear. Everything was good. And uh, it was just the the herringbone, you know, the main gear on that logo was completely stripped. Yeah. Like, gone. <laughs> Ripped all the teeth off it. Yeah, all of it. So it's crazy. Um, So let's catch up with Shannon and see how your week's been. Yeah. This week or weeks in the past or how far um, back do we go? Yeah, you could go a couple of weeks if you like, if you had some exciting stuff or things that you've been working on. No, basically, um, kind of a little background. We... I picked up a couple of used uh, 700 size machines to add to our stable to kind of compare. Um, mm-hmm. was flying the um, the Goblin Freedom and the uh, Hanslet TDF and the TDR2 and the uh, let's see, I mentioned the Pros Max. He's been you know those in a mm-hmm. 700 form on the electric side. He's been flying for a while, and we picked up a Logo 700 and a Line 700X. Um, nice to be able to play with and do some comparisons and go back and forth. So mm-hmm. part of that time last week, um, because of some logistical thing, we ended up setting up the 700X on a brain with a jetty, and then we set the logo, of course, on the V-Control uh, with a Neo. Mm-hmm. And um, so part of that was trying to tune a little bit, and, and you know they're not going to be identical, but to get them to where they felt a little bit more similar as far as getting used to them. Yeah, <clears throat> and adjusting rates, flipping roll rates and tail rates, and all that kind of stuff. Particularly more on the on the logo side because initially it was a little different than what he felt in the stock settings, and we played with it a little bit. And I went back and looked at some of the settings that uh, Mirko had posted on what he did with mm-hmm. his uh, seven hundred and five fifty, and. He he had some much higher settings, and I went in there and played with those and bumped them up, which gave it liked. And so, getting things set up and playing, and, and that's going to prep us, I hope, for uh, Delaware this weekend. That he wants to try to—that's his thing when he gets a chance to fly—is he wants to kind of test and fly one and then the other and back to back and try yeah. some more to get out of the field. But that was um, the the little bit of flying we did get to do last week. That was that, and then of course. You know, and most of that, again, was more set up. You know, he'd take it up and throw it around, and we'd do something and set it back down. We'd ju- adjust the setting, go back up, that kind of thing. And um, then the other fun thing was we got to see uh, what it looks like when you inject batteries from a TDR2 in flight. Oh, no. <laughs> Isn't that like half the helicopter when you eject it? Yeah, like the whole front end, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, <clears throat> it was interesting, and, and it was uh, the mechanic's fault. Uh, for first thing, we shouldn't have been flying without a canopy, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, we, it was about a 30, I can't remember, we got a video of it, a 32-second flight or 37-second flight or something like that. Um, I had uh, I changed some settings, adjusted some things and whatever, and getting that tuned. He, he wants to fly it a lot at Urcha. And <clears throat> it 
took it up, and I had the wires, the, the ESC and battery wires and all tucked. I don't know if you're familiar with how the front uh, yeah. battery brake compartment goes on the TDR2. Yep. Kind of hooks in and clamps, yeah. Exactly, and then it sticks out there on the nose. And mm-hmm. I had the wires wrapped down and around, and the way they were you know, connected, they were set up. So you know, they weren't really flopping bad or anything. I thought they'd be fine. Well, like I say, 30-some seconds into the flight, uh, he... He wasn't really hard on it. He took it up, did a big, huge loop, did some, some, uh, took the helicopter vertical and then rolled ailerons. So it was kind of spinning around on his axis. So it was dropping back down and then popped it back up in the air. And then he, as he popped it, he went inverted and slowing it down and looking at the video, you can see a tiny little piece of something fly off right before it starts. And I'm 99% sure that the, um, the ESC wires flopped out of there and the blades got the end of the ESC wire off i'm pretty sure whoa so um, wow that obviously immediately he lost power and uh, so the helicopter started falling and and he was trying to do something with it and he said daddy won't do anything going that's of course you know he didn't have any power because um, he was trying to auto it and wasn't responding but the ESE wires ended up wrapping around the head so it slowed mm-hmm. it down and, and the blades were hardly spinning when it came down uh-huh. And I was really surprised how well it crashed, though, because we lost the boom and the head linkages and the blades and a front carbon fiber piece on the battery mount that came off. And uh, that may, oh, uh, one of the uh, landing gear was broken on one side. So other than that, it, it really wasn't that bad. And I'd say it fell from... 40, 50 feet, something like okay. that. Wow. And, but, and just like a dead stick, just like falling. No no autoing, exactly. no nothing slowing it down, exactly. the rate of descent. Wow. Yeah. The saving grace, we're flying over at my father-in-law's house, and um, there's some relatively high grass. I'll say knee-high grass there. Okay. And it, it, it mm-hmm. fell in the grass, and that probably helped us off in it a little bit. So. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no real but, frame damage, though, right? Just sliding skid, no, boom, some head pieces. Okay. No, no. Of course, the the frames on that are very, very heavy. You, yeah. You can you can crash and break them, but it's they're they're thick frames. I don't. Yeah. I measured them. I'm going to say they're probably three millimeters. My guess. Wow. Um, but they're they're pretty sturdy, pretty thick. So mm-hmm. I've been wrenching on that, trying to get that back going, um, and so that can be set up and going again. And then the main thing, I guess, is prepping to leave to Delaware. And then there's a lot of stuff that we're working on prepping to leave for Urchard as well. So the long-term stuff, getting ready for Urcha, and then, you know, I'm leaving real early Thursday morning uh, to come up y'all's way. Nice. Uh, so getting prepped for, you know, getting all the parts that I want and getting them in the trailer and, you know, getting parts racked up, make sure the tent's squared away and all mm-hmm. the stuff we got to do. Awesome. The, the main thing is making sure we have enough snacks. So uh, Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. That's, that's probably been the majority of my week. Nice. We're gonna, we'll talk about the event a little. I want to definitely ask you some questions, and just kind of related to it. So um, one of the main reasons I want to talk to you on the show is, is because you own a hobby shop and, and that, you know, you go to so many fun flies, and you're, you're like the main part supplier at these fun flies, which is awesome because, you know, there's a lot of these fun flies we go to where there is no um, parts. So, you know, yeah, ours, good. Yeah, ours, <laughs> but not even ours. I'm just saying like other ones that I've been to, you know, like yeah. we go to Rochester, and that's a pretty you know it's a it's a decent sized event and but you know it's just the way it is right um but then we go to like spring fling where you know i've seen you know the two years i've gone there shannon's been there which is awesome and so 
first of all, how's business going? Let's let's kind of get that out of the way. Curious on how your business is. Well, our business is probably a little bit of an anomaly because um, people are, believe it or not, are still learning about us and getting to know us and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So our business has seen steady growth uh, over the last year and a half, couple of years, I guess. And I, I don't want to directly relate that to the industry as a whole because, again, I think it's sure. part of is just people learning about all the kind of helis and starting to use us more and that kind of thing. So it's, yeah. as far as what I see industry-wise, there's no doubt in my mind that we have at least leveled off from where we were. You know, we were in a decline a couple of years ago. I think everybody mm-hmm. is aware of that and recognizes that and would agree. My opinion, I feel like we've leveled off. I don't know. It, we're certainly not gangbusters going back ahead, but I don't feel like we're losing any more ground and maybe inching forward, particularly more so in the nitro area. I see, I see nitro oh, yeah. as much or more than the electric side. And part of that may be little pockets. You know, you're talking about spring fling. It depends on the events that you go to as well. Like spring fling, we see nitros everywhere, but you may go to a different event and you don't see anywhere near as many nitros as you do say you know that event particularly so mm-hmm. i think nitro may have pockets here and there where you may have more of it in one region than you have another but i definitely see that on the rise um nice <clears throat> when you see you know matt just came out with his 556 you know he's got his new pipe that came out mm-hmm. uh you've got the uh, goblin obviously is still popular you got gallery there you know you could go on and on there's there's a bunch of nitro models uh, you got a line that just came out with a 600XN and you know, mm-hmm. followed up right behind 700XN. So the, the popularity of that, I'm not going to say it's growing leaps and bounds, but I, I have no doubt that it's growing. Um, and, and I think that's a neat thing. It's to go back to, uh, you know, some guys talk about the old school days or whatever, but uh, we got Caleb into Nitro in order to help him with collective management. And he just fell in love with it. I think the N7 is one of his favorite, if not his favorite machine, mm-hmm. um, which as a, as a youngster, he's, you know, my thought would be he would be addicted to the raw power and just want, you know, some way overpowered electric. Right. But more times than not, if there's a 700 electric sitting there and the N7 sitting there and he can pick up either one, he's going to pick up the N7 more times he's going to pick up an electric. Nice. Which it, he says it, it just fits him and he likes the feel of it and, you know, I think in talking with Bert and Matt, both of them have talked about the the power delivery and the power curve and all that of the Nitro. I think maybe, I don't know if Bert may have said something about it on y'all's po- or podcast, or it may have been Matt and Bert were talking about it on the BK podcast about mm-hmm. the, the power curve being deliver- being different, and you really can't match that with electric, which I agree with. And it's just got a unique feel to its own that, that I think, that's attractive to a lot of people and we see more people getting into that, which also helps them be better modelers because you can't just plug a battery in and go, which in my opinion helps the hobby as a whole because, you know, one of the issues that we see with the, particularly with the proliferation of the, the guys buying multi, multi-rotor drones, whatever you want to call them at, at Walmart and, and Best Buy and whatever you know, they want an instant experience and they don't really want to be modelers to be able to learn anything. And that's, that, yep. that's problematic, in my opinion. You know, Nitro is the other way around. Um, you know, you have to learn. You have to understand some things to be able to fly it effectively, which is a positive thing. 
and to see growth in that area when you have to have a little bit more technical knowledge and work at it a little more, that's cool to me. So, um, yeah, long-winded answer. I, I, certainly, I don't see the industry going down. I don't know. It's not booming, but I, it's not going down. It may be on an upswing. Definitely nitro on a slightly positive upswing. So that's what yeah, I would call it. definitely. I agree, especially with the nitro. It's weird because when Kevin and I really got serious into this hobby, um, when we first met, it was like that's I think where the helicopter industry, you know, was it just crest like it just peaked and it was starting to kind of go down and and people would say, oh, you know. Uh, four years ago, five years ago, like it was so much bigger. It was like it was, you know, double the amount of people at Urcha and this and that. And, and like it's just been on a crazy decline. And and I think it's, you know, to me personally, I look at it as kind of like the the Internet bubble or the multi-rotor bubble, right? The drone racing bubble. Like it kind of like it swelled up and it kind of just now settling to the, the hardcore real hobbyists, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. and then you know like someone like Kevin and I who who came into it kind of late in the game you can say, but you know we were at heart hobbyists regardless you know getting into it and then got into it even deeper and deeper and yeah so. Well, you mentioned Urcha, and I'm really curious this year to see how Urcha is mm-hmm. just from a feel standpoint, and and what I mean by that you know I'm terrible with years so I couldn't give you a year but it wasn't that long ago I mean I remember. Um, you know, urchin numbers right at 1100 as far as a pilot count. Mm-hmm. And of course, the last couple of years we've not been anywhere near that. But yeah. the feel of urcha has been different and in a positive way, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the feel of the last couple of years has been closer to uh, a fun fly feel than a commercialized feel for urchin in the last couple of years, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. So I'm really curious to see, and I know it's very nebulous, you know, how do you tell how something feels? And I, you, you just kind of got to be there and, and experience yeah, it. It's so just, talking, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, take sprinkling, for example. Everybody uses that as kind of a bellwether. And, of course, I, I haven't had the opportunity to go to any uh, West Coast events. So, it, you know, it's hard for me to relate to those. But, I mean, uh, sprinkling is one that's, the folks on the on the East Coast, it's easy for them to relate to because a lot of people have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very unique feel. It's a very laid back atmosphere, just a fun, enjoyable, everybody hanging out kind of thing. There, it's not a pressured thing. You don't have the pro pilots where they're, I know I got to do this, and you know I got to make sure you know I've you know crossed my eyes and dotted my t you know cross my t's and dotted my eyes, and make sure all this is just right. And all you know, they're just out there, right? Fun. And Urcha is. They have to work more because they've got demos and stuff like that. But I, I saw a little bit more feel of spring fling in Urcha the last couple of years than I did in those 1,100 years. So, and Urcha's always going to be work for those guys. I mean, the Kyles and the Allens and the, yeah, know, all the go through right. all those. They're going to have to work at those times. That's just a part of the job. And, and I'm sure they enjoy it, but yet, you know, part of it's a job to them. But the more we can get that little bit of uh, still small time fun fly feel into it, the better off we are. And I, and I think that's cool. So I'm curious to see how Urcha feels with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Urcha as an organization wants to like promote the hobby, um, bringing that like kind of, you know, the, I don't know how to say, it. let's like kind of like the, 
the backyard kind of like fun fly is the way to do it because when people see other people having fun and not work or not like being serious but enjoying and laughing and fun and meeting people like that stuff is what draws other people into it exactly you know and then the helicopters obviously are cool and they're these crazy engineering you know masterpieces that do insane stuff in the air so i know you not just you know have an online store right you have your onlyfineheli.com but you also have you also have a brick and mortar store right yes sir and how how was that like you know i mean how first of all let's let's ask this how long have you been in business 2012 i believe yeah okay and did you always did you always start with uh like brick and mortar and then develop the online or was it just kind of like both in one shot? Like we're doing this, we're going ahead and, you know, with both. Yeah. Uh, let me give you a brief history. Basically what happened, the, the way we got into RCLA's, Caleb was, it was for Christmas one year and um, we were finishing up Caleb's presents and we were, uh, we were in CVS picking wrapping paper or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they had this little, uh, a coaxial thing there for 19 oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and we thought yeah that'd be cool you know to add to finish up his stuff we'll get that and, and so he opened it up christmas morning and sure as the world it was a piece of junk and didn't work so we took it back and got another one and that one didn't work so we took it back and thankfully they gave us money back and there was a, a local hobby shop um just right down the road from my house that uh that was called a to z hobbies and they had blade uh, and we mm-hmm. went in there and picked up a, an MCX, and that was our first official uh, real RC helicopter. It was a Blade MCX, which we still have and still flies. Um, it's had a couple parts on it since then, but it does still fly. Um, and that's how we started. And we went through the Blade thing. We went through the MCX. We went to MSRs, and then we went to MCPXs. We went to uh, 453B and kind of mm-hmm. you know, went through that progression going on up and um as we started going up uh you know we got into bigger and bigger models and got more into it and enjoying it and i started really things from the internet side um i had a couple of the businesses that i was running at the time and you know something that caleb and i enjoyed and we talked to a couple of distributors and and uh you know we had a business location and all that so we started the internet side and we also had a location that we we used, a physical location, but it was helicopters only. Okay. And I was only there, you know, I was there off and on. I'd come in and do my shipping, but normally it was like a three-day-a-week thing that I would be there during, you know, regular open hours. And then the A to Z hobby that I mentioned, they, uh, there was a gentleman that owned it. His mom and dad ran the store for him. He lived a couple hours away in another larger town. And his, his parents, who were retired, ran the store for him. Mm-hmm. And they were having some health issues, and he was needing to sell the shop. Well, it kind of came down to if I, if I didn't buy it, it was going to go away. All so right, I purchased okay. a hobby, and so my shop now, the obviously the, the online store is only find helis. The local shop is AZ Hobby, and I just combine those two. Um, uh, so okay. you come to my local shop, um, it's a combination of two. So we have... Um, we have cars, you know, trucks, boats, planes, you know, multi-rotors, uh, no, does I say trains, rockets, uh, plastic models, um, you know, a variety of things like that. Of course, we try to stock parts, particularly for the ground stuff. is probably the biggest thing that sells locally. 
Mm-hmm. So we, we stock a lot of tracks as far as actual parts and HPI and, and those kind of things for the, for the local stuff. But honestly, you know, my uh, we enjoy the other RC stuff. You know, we enjoy planes as well. We've got uh, several 3D hobby shop extreme flight planes. Um, nice. But our, our heart is in helicopters. And the further we go down the road, that's, you know, more emphasis we see on that, the more we put on that, the more time we spend on the helicopter side. So um, my father-in-law, the, the local shop's kind of a family venture. My father-in-law is manning the shop the majority of times because I'm doing some other stuff and back and forth, taking care of the only fine helis thing mm-hmm. and another business that I run. And um, so I'll come in in the morning and, and ship real early in the morning. And then as I get other orders during the day, I may come back in and then do another batch of shipping. But he's there the majority of the time. Uh, that helps and allows me to go to events, you know, and be gone for three or four days to an event and stuff. Right. That's um, kind of how that went. That's awesome. In the hobby shop itself, do you, is it just like you do sales? Do you do, you do repairs? Do you, you know, kind of do yeah, like... We do, we do sales and repair. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we see more and more of the influence of... Uh, people wanting us to do the repairs, you know, even on, you know, somebody strips a, a, a spur gear on a stampede or something like that. You know, I really try to push people to try to do their own work and I try to help to educate them. And that's, that's the majority of my time in the local hobby shop is education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time with people talking about LiPo technology and batteries and how to handle batteries correctly. Sure. Charge and all that. That's a, you know, I, I could almost do a recording and say, okay, come over here and watch this. <laughs> right. I, I go through that speech, you know, multiple times a day. But, you know, unfortunately, I see more and more of they want to play with a car, but they don't want to mess with it. You know, they don't want to learn how to take the cover off and, you know, unscroll through this bolt and put another spur gear back on, screw it back on, and, you know, set your tension and, you know, put a cover back on. Uh, and and that's, that's sad to me and it's unfortunate, but we see a lot more things brought in that I try to get them to do and to learn how to do. Yeah. You know, I, particularly with younger kids that are involved, um, I try to get them to do that not only for their benefit, but also for the kids. You know, the mechanical portion of that, whether it's an airplane or helicopter or a car or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's great for younger kids to be able to learn that in the mechanical aspect of how does this work and Yes. You know, turn the wrench and figuring stuff out rather than playing with a video game or whatever it may be. Yes. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's it's it directly relates to real-world skills. You know, Caleb's getting to the point now where, um, you know, he does some building and working on stuff and things like that. And I feel like, you know, down the road, that's helpful to him to have some mechanical skills of being able to look at something and figure it out and, applies to the real world when his car breaks down on the side of the road or he has a problem with uh, plumbing yes. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to be able to think through a problem. So I really try to encourage folks that come into the shop to do their own stuff, but um, we we still get a good bit of that that people bring in for repair. One of the hardest le- lessons to learn in that respect is that even though the task at hand is kind of mundane and you don't feel like doing it, you'll learn from that to your next task you know i i've found that like even if i don't want to do something or i see it's boring or why am i building a circuit to just to flash the stupid led on or off you know you you take that and you you build upon that yeah for for any any technical th- type of things like that 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, we've done some things too where we've gone to uh, some local schools and done some flying, but then we also try to tie it into education because, um, you know, it depends on the age group that I'm speaking to, <clears throat> but I try to do a presentation and talk about, you know, the math skills from electric standpoint, you know, come into it and talk about, okay, here's a helicopter. And I do it very uh, at a very low level, but I get into like gear ratios, and you need to be able to understand math and do well in your math, uh, you know, classes because you're going to have to understand. You know, I go briefly into like the KB of the motor and the voltage of a battery and yada yada, and and how to determine these things, and that directly relates to having fun with these things, whether it be, you know, a 2S or 3S vehicle or a helicopter or plane or whatever. Um, and then I, I may even go into a little bit on the nitro side of, you know, the mechanical portion of learning how to deal with these engines. And that's great to learn how to operate a car and whatever. And, and trying to encourage them to do well in school that their school directly benefits them, you know, education wise in knowing how to do these things better. Um, oh, yeah. So we, we try to tie, tie all that together as best we can. Yeah. Excellent. It's awesome. I, there used to be a local hobby shop, unfortunately closed down, but, um, one of the things that like I've always talked to the guy, which I couldn't understand, is like, you know, people would like fly their helicopters and they would hover and they crash, and then they bring it back and be like, "Fix this! I don't care how much it costs, fix it." And I think you know, for a while, he was kind of supporting his business just from fixing other people crashing helicopters. I'm just like, wow. I mean, you know, to like. For these folks to be, you know, coming back in, you know, week after week to have this guy fix the helicopters, to enough to this guy staying in business, it's just like I, I just couldn't. I couldn't understand it because I'm like, I never brought my helicopter anywhere to get fixed. It was always like I broke it, I fix it. You know, with anything really, <laughs> you know, in life, and and I just I couldn't understand it. But that's good to hear because yeah, you know, it's kind of like that saying: you can bring a horse to the levee, but you can't, you know, make him drink. Right? So it's like. It's good that you teach, and and I think this hobby for young kids, it's totally fits in with STEM. Like it just, you know, it has all the aspects to to meet all the requirements of the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So, um, it's great. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think it's you know, I, again, I bring out stuff. Yeah, I'll get into the science part of it. You know, we'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about lift, talk about an airfoil. You know, right, aerodynamics, air- right. And, you know, talk about a plane or, you know, the way that the multi-rope we've got, we'll fly an Inspire, a DJI Inspire that we have and, you mm-hmm. know, pull a prop off and pass a prop around. And, you know, why is this shaped this way, you know, and lift and we'll, you know, I'll take a helicopter and show positive pitch and negative pitch and what makes right. it go up and down. So the, the physics of that and the math and all that, you know, I'm trying to help them understand that the school means something and trying to help the teachers and back them up a little bit that, you know, they're not just doing this to give you something to do you know this is going to help you later on if you learn this so yes uh, try to tie the two together definitely awesome nice owning a shop right like online or a brick and mortar really just owning a hobby shop in general how do you know what to keep in stock like how much of it quantity like there's got to be some hidden voodoo magic behind that because you know voodoo no, you, you know what it old, is? It's like you go to a hobby shop and they don't have it. It's uh, that's yeah. the most frustrating thing. <laughs> remember the old eight ball that you, you kind of yeah 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 uh-huh. the little diamond thing that was saying yes no. That's kind of what you need to be able to pick out exactly what to stock. Yeah, because um, it 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 changes. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, to some degree, that's difficult. Even on the the website side, you know, yeah. for you guys, uh, you know, quite honestly, I 
I don't, there's a lot of things that I really would like to do from a stocking standpoint that either from a time or from a cash flow standpoint, I'm not doing as well as I would like right now. Um, but even it's, it's probably more critical on the, um, the, the local shop side because, you know, people want the latest and greatest, but the same thing that the, the big issue is parts, you know, predictability of, okay, what parts are going to break? Like on a, right. on a vehicle, you're going to go through a arms, you can go through spur gears, you know, stuff like that. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to go through. Yeah. All your wear and tear stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, part of that is going to be experience of dealing with a particular product or a particular manufacturer over a period of time. And you know that this particular manufacturer is going to have more electronic issues than this one. This one's going to have more drivetrain issues than this one. This one's going to have more or whatever. And and knowing how to stock that. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to be really careful in my area. You know, I'm, I'm in a town of 1,500 people, so it's a very small town. And, wow. of course, we're pulling from a wide area that people come and visit. But, you know, take um, well, DJI, for example. You know, we're a DJI dealer. We stock very little because of the, the as much changeover and the and the competition that we have with the big box stores. But you know, DJI and other manufacturers will do similar things where they'll come to you and they'll say, "Hey, you know, if you buy twelve of these, I'll give you one free, or this or that, or whatever." Um, to try to get you some to get volume going. Mm-hmm. And the thing you got to be careful of uh, is, do you buy twelve of them? You sell eight, and they come out with a new model, and you're sitting there with four that nobody wants. Oh yeah. boy. So, right. You know, that you have to think about not only what to do, but how deep do you go? Because, you know, Blade's kind of the same way. You know, Blade's going to try to push the envelope a little bit, and they're going to come out with a new something, you know, every couple of months or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be really careful that you have enough to take care of your customers and support the parts that they need, but not, you know, go 12 deep that, you know, it's going to take you three years to sell that or whatever it is. Yeah, or take a loss, right? Yeah. It's a juggle, and the only thing I can say is experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is trying to work, have a good working relationship with suppliers as much as possible. You try to work shipping situations so when you don't have something, you can get it in quickly. Or if you need a resupply, you know, like right. both, um, you know, majority of the hobby shop things that are as far as the local shop that are Horizon and Great Plains products, which obviously are now all Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm two days from them with just regular shipping nice. so you know that's not too bad where yeah. you know if if i need a vehicle or you know a motor or this that or whatever you know train track or something uh, worst case scenario i can order on monday have it on wednesday and uh, generally i'm okay for most clients in that situation so um it's that eight ball thing really would be nice because it's tough <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, ask uh, what was that in, in that movie Big Zor Zorlak or whatever. Yeah, big <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so we, we didn't really talk about. It. So where is your um, your store located? I'm in Clarksville, Virginia, which is right on the North Carolina Virginia line, about okay. an hour east of Danville, and uh, two well hour and a half south of Richmond, and probably an hour and fifteen minutes, hour and twenty minutes north of Raleigh Durham. Okay. So we're nice. right on the lake. I can walk out the front door of the shop, and if if I was a good baseball player, I could probably throw a baseball and hit the lake. We're on the largest man-made lake in Virginia. There's a lot of fishing tournaments that come up here and, and a, a lot of vacationers throughout the summer because of uh, the, the lake. Nice. Uh, but we're south-central Virginia, right on North Carolina line. Awesome. 
So to kind of to go with that other question with, you know, how do you know what to stock? How do you know what brands to sell? You know, you can't, I mean, it's, I would guess it'd be very costly and expensive to be able to, you know, not, obviously you can get stuff, but like to stock all the different brands, especially like, let's do, let's just even look at it on the helicopter side, not even going in on the, um, you know, the cars, boats, planes and stuff, because that's another uh, animal well, of its own. Let me, let me give you a brief answer on the car side, because something specific there, and then I'll shift back over the helicopter side. Okay. You know, there one of the things that factors into this, there's a couple of hobby shops that I'm not going to call them local, but within three or four hours of me that stock some certain brands in the vehicle line that I will not stop. And I would make decent money on them, probably a little better margin than I make than with them with some other products. Mm -hmm. But I know that they're inferior products and I know that they're going to break all the time. Now, the dealer, excuse me, the distributor or, or the company is going to say, well, you know, that means that's good for you. You're selling much more parts. Well, yeah, but it's not good for a relationship with the customer. Um, yeah. Because, you know, long term, that customer gets frustrated, particularly if it's a new customer that just bought a vehicle and it's breaking all the time. Well, fully on this, I'm not going to mess with this anymore. I'm going to go play golf or whatever. Right. So, okay. uh, you know, the, there are some decisions that are made based on the quality of the product that... Um, I, I don't carry, you know, even if it's a very, very profitable model, which there's two companies in my mind right now that I could be making some pretty good money on from a margin standpoint, I'm not interested in carrying because I've had personal issues and customers seen issues with us from a quality standpoint. And so those are just a no-no for me. I, I don't carry them. You know, transitioning that to the, to the helicopter side, um, you know, it's tough because you there's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple of brands out there that I don't carry that are very good brands that um, I would love to, but you know, if I'm going to carry a brand, I want to support it as good as I possibly can. And mm -hmm. you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't, I want to be able to support the brands that I have much better than what I am. Um, so for me, for me to take on additional brands, you know, right and left, I think is, is almost irresponsible. I need to make sure that I'm covering what I've committed to and my customers, you know, they know me for Align or Goblin or Mikado or Synergy or MSH or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I want them to feel comfortable that I'm going to do my very best to be able to keep parts in stock to be able to take care of their needs. Yes. So, you know, as far as selecting those, the further down the road I go, the more I see that a better quality product may be worth the wait to save five more dollars so that you can get this a little better product. Um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of companies from, you know, U.S. companies and I've direct imported and distributed uh, Chinese products and Vietnamese products and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I'll give you a servos, for example. Um, you know, you can go to uh, eBay or Amazon or wherever and get a full-size servo to put in a cyclic for 10 bucks. Um, and, you know, I've seen people on the forums Scary. do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the further down the road I go, for me personally, in my experience, the more I see the benefit in getting a good quality product and go with a good name brand product that's going to have not only uh, it's going to perform well, but you're going to have support after the sale. Yes. Um, and it has a good reputation. 
So yeah. that's a big part for me. I, um, there's not many things that I picked up in the past that I, I that I have questions about, but the the couple of things that are there over time, I see myself narrowing those down, and I shift more to things that are good, solid products that are going to stand the test of time. Parts are going to be available. Um, you have support for them. That that's the main thing. You know, it's it's really frustrating for somebody to purchase something and they're constantly waiting on parts um, from a manufacturer standpoint or from a dealer standpoint. So mm-hmm. that's availability of parts and quality of product is a huge thing for me. And I think that probably is for everybody. Sure. No, definitely. Yeah. Customer service too, you know, like if something does go wrong because things do go wrong or, you know, maybe the QC wasn't perfect, but you know, when you call and contact the company, like say for you, Carrying very high quality parts and you know items in general, like you know helicopter kits or electronics or whatever, means that you're gonna get less poor feedback from your customers, right? Like your customer buys, say whatever type of ESC, and it kind of blows on them. It's like, well, they're gonna come to you because they bought it from you, and then you're gonna go to the manufacturer and be like, hey, you know, can yeah. I get this warranty? And like. That bond between like the customer, you, and then the and the supplier or the factory or the company itself, and the customer service. That each step of that customer service trail, you know, makes a big difference. That you know, if you're selling a bad product, then you get the grunt of people being mad or upset, you know, and then then you got to portray it up there, and you're not getting that customer service from that company. Then, you know, what? Why support that brand or sell it in the first place, right? So, just just looking at, you know, I'm sitting here my website's off to the side over on my computer in front of me. And I'll just use these for example, you know, right now our main manufacturer helicopter wise that we're doing are Align, Goblin, Mikado, Synergy, and MSH. Um, you know, the distributors, uh, the U S distributors, I know all of those guys. Well, mm-hmm. um, good relationships with all those. They're all great people. And, if I have an issue, then they have an issue, and they're going to do whatever they can to jump through hoops to be able to make sure that that issue is taken care of. So I yes. have no, I have no questions or qualms about supporting those brands because those brands support me and support the end customer. So um, mm-hmm. I want to carry a brand that I feel good about personally, and I know I can support so that the customer can feel good about that as well. Yes, um, and that's a big part to me. Definitely. These next couple of questions are uh, they're kind of they kind of all go into it, um, and you kind of explained a little bit earlier in the um, main topic area. But I'll kind of go over it, and you can talk about it as far as your experience. So the the three questions are: Do you see a decline in the heli sales? Do you see a decline in the airplane sales? And then do you see an incline on drone sales? So they're kind of bundled together. So you know. Yeah. Wow, that's a loaded oh. question. Hell yeah, <laughs> or a series of loaded questions. Yeah. Well, honestly, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that well because of our emphasis on the heli side. Sure, um, I, I think that skews our numbers. Um, probably, honestly, somebody like um, like jason and amain or whatever would probably be able to answer that a mm-hmm. little bit better because they don't have as much emphasis on the heli side you know they're more broad in in what they yeah, carry they're more balanced but, out right mm-hmm. yeah 
But um, like I said, on the heli side, I, I, I see us at a minimum we're leveled off. I don't see us going down right now. At a minimum, we're, we're treading water and maybe slightly inching up. We're not leaping by, you know, huge bounds and bouncing, you know, jumping over buildings and whatever. But um, we're definitely holding our own, maybe increasing slightly. Okay. Um, plane side, um, you know, it's hard for me to say because really I'm only selling planes at a, at a local level and my local level can be so skewed that I, I don't, I don't think that's a, uh, a safe thing to be able to throw out numbers because it may have absolutely nothing to do with a state, well, regional, or national. Sure. Level. Sure. And, and, and this could be related just to like local hobby shop, like brick and mortar, and in your own location, like, and it could just be totally skewed. It could be totally just your well, opinion. I, it doesn't have I to be fact in any way. In my local area, I'm mm-hmm. seeing less people pick planes as a starter and more people going with multi-rotors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I see if they're getting an entry level, um, it, I, I, you get a couple different people, you know. You have the folks that buy a $100 multi-rotor at um, Walmart or even, a, you know, they'll be in a, a Sears and there'll be a, a kiosk thing or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, something there. You have those and then you'll have ones that'll come in and they'll pick up, uh, you know, a blade something from us or whatever other brand that it may be that may be a, you know, entry level from a 80 to $200, $250 unit. Yeah. Um, if, if somebody's going to come in and start with a with a RC hobby, used to be they would come in and they would buy uh, a foamy plane or you know an intro level plane, uh, an apprentice uh, uh, that Horizon sells is a great starting mm-hmm. plane, a couple different sizes. I, I'm not selling as many of those as what I used to. More people will come in and they'll start with a multi rotor drone, whatever you want to call it, than a plane compared to three or four years ago. I do think that, in general, the and this is just Shannon's opinion, and that's all it's yeah. worth. Mm-hmm. I do think that mm-hmm. the people that get into the hobby with a multi rotor are much more likely to get bored with it and get out of it quicker. Yeah. Than, than in three or four years ago, if they were starting with a plane or, or you know, a heli or whatever. Yeah. Um. And I think a lot of those, I'll go back to the, you know, it's a microwave mentality. I, I, I want to be able to do it right now, and I don't want to put any time or effort into it. I just want to go have fun. Yep. I want to put my two-minute Elio's pizza in the microwave and eat it now instead of waiting 10 minutes to actually, like, cook a pizza in the oven. Yeah, yeah. it's an gratification thing. And, and totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, it's not just a, a, a hobby thing. That's just... Um, that's a general mindset of our society today is that's just how we've become. And it's yes, transitioning. Totally. I don't think yes. causing that. I think in general, we as people are moving that way and we're just seeing symptoms of that in the hobby world. I, I blame the hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if I had to generalize, I would say plane sales are down a little bit and, mm-hmm. and the multi-rotor drone are supplanting some of that. People are definitely starting with a multi-rotor rather than used to be. They would start with, let's say, you know, a fixed pitch 120 SR or something like yeah. that. You know, they're yep. much more likely to start with a multi-rotor and, you know, get used to the you know, similar controls. 
and maybe or maybe not switch. Um, I think having a simulator in the store is good for people to play with and be able to try out. Uh, I think when, you know, I think you guys can understand, all of us heli guys understand the, the ch- part of the challenge of helicopters is what's attractive to us because yes. it is a little more difficult and you, you do have to work at it a little more. So it's more self-satisfaction when you're able to do this particular maneuver. You're like, yeah, that was really neat. You know, I had to work at that, but that's really cool. I enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the attraction there. Having the, having the sim is neat to try to get people a taste of that, right? Yeah. Give them a taste, dip their toe in the water yeah. and say, you know, look, you know, here's, you can fly this right off. You can start here, but later on you can, you gravitate to this. And mm-hmm. particularly when Caleb's in, you know, I'll have him fly for them or we've got a big screen TV that we've got in the shop that I, don't, I think it's a 60 inch TV or something like that, that I'll have some flights going probably almost all the time. And so I'll have 3d flights going and people is like, that, that thing's upside down. Is, mm-hmm. is that, is he about to crash? Or, you know, they get all these comments <laughs> and then that gives you, it opens the door to be able to get some, you know, explanations. We can go over the sim and play a little bit and show how, how this works and whatever. But long-winded answer to your, to a short question. Yeah. I, helicopters in na- nationwide, as far as online sales, I don't see it going down, but locally, definitely planes, as an entry level is not, not as much of an option now as what it used to be. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I I feel like that's the way it is. And that's just, you know, perception of mine too, just to see, you know, that like, I don't know, I think it's the hype and the news and everything. You hear about drones, you hear about drones, you hear about the, and people are kind of drawn to that. Like, oh, it's like a common word, you know, that, so they're like, oh, what is this drone thing? Oh yeah, I want to try that. Cause that's what I hear on the news. That's what I hear people talk about. So, well, y'all are familiar with the twisted hobby planes, right? Oh yeah. oh yeah, big time, yeah. Yeah, you know we, we've we've flown them for a long time, and to me, we we sold a bunch of those here locally. We worked out, out a deal with them, and we were able to do a dealership kind of thing. So we've sold nice. a lot here locally, and it's just relaxing to go out in the front yard or the backyard or whatever. And you know it's seven thirty, eight o'clock in the evening, and you just kind of floating through the air, just you know, hovering around or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do with that plane. And you know, if you mess up and you crash it, you know, glue it back together with welders and go again, you know, I, we've got one that's probably, it weighs twice as much as what it did. Originally. <laughs> yeah. As, as relaxing as that is to go out and do, I just don't get that same feeling with a multi-rotor. No. I go out and fly it. I, it's it's just a completely different feel. It's not it doesn't have the challenge of the helicopter that I enjoy, but it doesn't have the relaxation of the plane. Right. So it, it's kind of stuck in the middle, and you know it, it's 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 difficult when somebody starts with that. You know, which direction do you take them afterwards? If if you can try to pull them one way or the other, it's um it's tough sometimes. It no. it is almost like a gimmicky thing in a way like Steve was saying, because the two people that I know that I have in my life that aren't part of, you know, the hobby and don't fly anything else, uh, my brother-in-law and my my soon-to-be son-in-law both have bought drones, just went out and bought something, uh, you know, probably $100 or less. And, you know, they're like, hey, Kev, I bought a drone, you know, and I was like, all right, yeah, let's, let's fly it and flew it once and that was it. And so it's like, 
I don't know why they did it, but you know, they that was exactly like you're saying, you know, that was their first experience with yeah, anything airborne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thing to do. I think it's because it's the easiest thing to do in your backyard in a small space or yeah, where, you, you know, could hover it, it's cheap, right. they crash pretty well. Right, any, or even in your living room, yeah, you could you could hover it, and you know you, you could hover a small helicopter in your living room, but uh, yeah, we won't Don't, talk about how big of machines we've hover, hovered I've, in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or spooling up a you know five fifty on a living room table or anything like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm locking the dog in her crate just to be on the safe side. <laughs> yeah, as I spool something up in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. But you know, but then again, it's like it's funny because you can give get someone like those mall kiosk drones, right? And, right. But then you could also get them like a WL Toys V911 or 991, whatever the fixed pitch one was that I, I had. And it was amazing because it was great. You could just sit there and hover like a drone, but you could also fly it around and actually see orientation because there's a nose and a tail. <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to think, like, you know, how do you steer the the newbie, right? The, the, the folks that are kind of just, like you're saying, dipping their toes in the water and to, like, push them into like, here, take the plunge. Like, you know, oh, you're having fun? All right, now let me show you what fun is. You know, like, here's the next level that you can, you know, work to achieve, you know? Yeah, you know, different people look at, or obviously approach it differently. We've all got different personalities, and mm-hmm. some of them more of a drive that, yeah, I want to challenge. Other people, that's not a big deal to them. They just want something relaxing. And you know, I see a lot of that as a divide, and I don't mean that in the wrong way, but a, a difference and a lot of times between a helicopter and a plane pilot that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, at least locally, the ones that are into helicopters want to push and learn and, and have more drive. And a lot of the ones in the plane are, you know, Saturday, Sunday flyers, and they're just going around in circles and sitting in a lawn chair and enjoying themselves, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's just a little, it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's part of, you know, the tough part. You see somebody comes out of a, a, a drone and, you know, what are they looking for? Where, where do you try to steer them? I definitely want to steer them somewhere besides just a drone to keep, keep them in the hobby, whether it's fixed wing or rotary wing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've got one gentleman now, I always try to remember his age. I think he's 83 now, and he is learning collected pitch for the first time. Nice. And wow. He started way, way back when. You know, he tells all these stories about, you know, entering AMA mats with uh, – you know, some of the original stuff where you're uh, doing, I don't remember all the things that he's talked about, where you're doing guide wires and all this kind of stuff and, and different kinds of things that he's doing, even paper planes, you know, glider type things that they would make and throw at nationals and whatever. But he's been doing it for eons and eons. And he just got into helicopters about two years ago and got a couple of blades and wanted to play with it. And he said, Shannon, you know, I've wanted to do this all my life and just never done it. And his main reason was he didn't have anybody to help him. There wasn't anybody oh, yeah. that knew how to fly a helicopter. So when we went out there and, you know, took the store over and, and we're starting to fly helis and whatever, um, he was like, can you help me with this? Can you show me this? So he's got a line 470 that he flies now. Um, and, you know, he's just like the rest of us, that he does a lot, really well on the sim, and then he gets out there and starts shaking and whatever, and he'll only try half the maneuvers, you know, on the in real life, but in two on the sim. But uh-huh. I'm really trying to, you know, try to encourage him. Think about that. You know, guys, I'm pretty sure he's 83. How many 83-year-olds 
just learning collective pitch do you know so wow right really, yeah that's really cool cool to watch him and watch his progression and you know how he does of course he's not going to pick it up as quick as a 10 year old um but he's progressing and doing well. You know, there's another guy that's at the field that's been in planes for probably 15 or 20 years that's got a line 550 that he's been doing well with. So um, trying to to push some of the new guys or pull or however it is into the helicopter side and show them how, I don't know, the entertaining part of it and the enjoyable part of it and, and try to get it infected into other people maybe. No, definitely, yeah. I'll tell you what, James made a comment this weekend about flight tests and what they've done for the hobby. And, you mm-hmm. know, we were t- saying earlier about how do you bring people, you know, into the hobby or, you know, what their first thing uh, that they're flying with is. And uh, I'll tell you, I think a lot of people gone from, you know, the flight test stuff to to foam stuff to, you know, balsa stuff. And then, then they move on to helicopters, you know, and, and or try different things. Try out different things. And yeah, for sure. One of them. Yeah. But you definitely, Shannon, what you said, you have a point where, you know, you need that one other person to, to help you along. Not everybody wants to sit and read a lot of forum posts and, you know, search for their answer. You know, you got a question specific. You can always post it, but some people aren't into that and really have, you know, are better with hands-on and stuff like that. Well, even yeah. Put- even pushing to do certain maneuvers. I mean, there's three people that I've got in my head right now locally, pretty much locally, and Caleb's another example, so I'll say four, that I've seen multiple times that they know how to do a maneuver. They've done it on a sim a million, sim a million times, but they're scared to try it in real life. And I'll use Caleb. Um, you know, a year ago, year and a half, two years ago, whatever it was, um, Caleb loves autos. He... Um, he was doing all kinds of crazy inverted autos and whatever on the sim, and he would just do regular upright autos on the field. And we were there one day. He was flying an N5C. I said, okay, Caleb, you're going to do an inverted auto. And he's like, daddy, dad. I said, kid, we're not going to talk about this. You're going, you know how to do an inverted auto. You're going to do an inverted auto. He said, daddy, but I said, look, you know, I don't want you to crash on purpose, but if you do, it's okay. We have parts. It's no big deal. Fly. Yeah, you know a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, and, and he, he said his knees were shaking this and that. He came in and popped it and did the perfect inverted auto. He's like, wow, you know, that, that was easy. That was just, and so the whole rest of the day, that's all he did was, you know, it, it, autos and, come, you know, doing different variations of them and whatever. But it took me pushing him out of the nest yeah. for him to be able to do that the first time. There's another right. guy, the guy at the field that's got the 550. You know, he, um, he would not do even like uh, flips where he was in any kind of a, a nose-in, inverted or upright position for any period of time he was very nervous about. And, and I'd watched him on the sim there, do it multiple times with different maneuvers. And I said, okay, you're, you're going to flip it over and hold inverted nose-in and just sit there for a while. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, just do it. You just, you know, he's way on up there. And he was like, yeah, but what if this or what if this? And, and I said, look, let me see it. I took the controls from him. I said, here's what you do. Do this and watch my fingers and see, do that, do that, just like you do on the sim. You see, you're hardly having to move, you know, this. He said, okay. So he did it the first time, and he was like, oh, yeah, okay. Same situation. You know, I watched him for two or three batteries after that at a local fun fly that he was playing with that the whole time. But he needed somebody to push him out of the nest that Uh first time to try it. And 
you know, us three here talking, we go to fun flies and we get the opportunity to see other people fly and try things at fun flies. There's a whole, whole bunch of other people that for whatever reason don't go to a fun fly. Uh, you know, as far as a, they may go to a local field, but they don't go to, you know, a bigger event or have a opportunity for somebody to help them like that. So right. that put out of the nest for a lot of people is all it takes to get them over a hump. And I've seen that a lot with a lot of different people, me included. That you know you, you you just need that little encouragement to go ahead and try that maneuver or to you know try this helicopter or whatever it may be. Um, so the, the encouragement of somebody that's that's there is very important, and we have a responsibility to try to help with that and go out if we see somebody. Hey, let me help you with that, or you know encourage them. Yeah, you can try this, dude. You know whatever. So I think that's important. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I tell myself this, and I tell, like, everyone, too, like, you know, every time you go fly, like, for the day, just try one thing new. Just try one thing new. Even if it's out of your comfort zone, try it and just know, like, you know, and ask questions, right? Like, oh, well, I want to do this. Like, say I want to find, I want to, like, I don't know, nose in inverted hover, right? Well, flip it over, hold it for a sec, and just know how to flip it back out so you could be back in your comfort zone. That's all. And, and. You know, I, I see it. I've seen it. I've seen it with Kevin. You know, I've seen it with other people that they do that. And, and then it's like, oh, well, it's not as scary. Oh, and then and then it's like the snowball effect. Then they yeah. like see that they can do this and they can learn and they see the progression and then it's snowball. Now Kevin's doing half pure flips five feet off the deck and with a little 690, which is, you know, a big helicopter. And it's just great, you know. <laughs> well, I tried something new on Saturday. I tried bringing home both helicopters in one piece, and I actually did it. <laughs> wow! See, look at that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, but like, it's funny because Kevin also was the type of person that says, "I'm, you know, like I don't think I can fly a seven hundred. Like I don't think I want a seven hundred. And you know, now one of his favorite helis is a local six ninety. You know? Yeah. Well, that was I knew I needed to work my way up to it. I knew I needed myself to be ready to fly that you know you know what i mean yeah, and and you had to kind of break in your wife no no that that's not a 700 that's not as big as the ones that's that these a guys small fly. 700 uh-huh. you see? small 700 yes a small 700 she bought it <laughs> it says 690 see it's not a 700 <laughs> let's get technical here <laughs> she has no idea dude she yeah. has no idea well she did when she went to ohb it was like whoa yeah. <laughs> one of these yeah. really big helis flying really aggressively <laughs> So how many events do you do a year that you and Caleb go to? I must say 12 is a good guess. I, wow. I, don't, think, I don't think we're going to hit 15. I'm, I must say 12 is probably it. Okay. Uh, wow. And, and these 12 events that you go to, do you bring parts? Like, do you bring your shop with you? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, there's a couple events that are local. You guys, have y- y'all been down to um, RCHO, RC Howie's Only in Nightdale, yeah. North Carolina? Well, you know, like sometimes if they have a, sometimes they'll have a get together and it may be like a, mainly a Saturday. You have a couple people on Friday, but mainly a Saturday event. Well, I, I use one for example. Um, earlier this year in February, there was an event at, um, man, I can't, it was in North Carolina, but I can't remember the field. It, it was just mainly a Saturday event in the <laughs> The wind uh, peaked at 32 miles an hour. They've got an anemometer there. And so it was, the, the attendance was not what everybody wanted it to be because, you know, uh, weather-wise, it wasn't what 
we were hoping. But in cases like that, basically what I do, instead of breaking out the tent and setting up the whole tent and pulling everything out, I've got the the trailer set up to where I can drop the back door and then have the side door open. And when Mm -hmm. somebody needs something, we can go in there and kind of shop in the trailer. That way, if I'm only going to be there for a day or whatever, I may not set up my 2030 tent and bring out all the tables and all the racks and all that kind right, of stuff. Right, right. Oh, okay. Whereas, you know, like on the Dell weekend, right. you know, it's going to be long enough that, you know, Lord Willow Creek don't rise. I'm planning on setting everything up, you know, getting that Thursday, have my tent set up, have tables and racks, and basically mm-hmm. have the whole, you know, mobile store or whatever set up outside of the tent. Right. So it kind of varies what I set up based on. Uh, where I am, how long I'm going to be there, weather, that kind of thing. But um, thankfully, the I purchased a new truck, which gives me a little more space in the back of it that I can clear out the middle aisle of the trailer a little better so that if we do have weather and I can't take everything out or it's just a, you know, a one-day fun fly, that you know we can still get in and out and people can see things and shop a little better or look or whatever they want to do. Very cool. So I know you spoke about like you know you, you would you would help the guy and kind of show him that you know you can that your helicopter is capable of flying inverted or something like that. So do you fly often or like is it more kind of you've been helping people and managing the sh- shop at these events than you know? You ever hear about the cobbler's kids that don't have any shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always helping somebody else, or you know, quite honestly, we fly very little. Uh, comparatively and and that's not a good thing but it's just a fact that with all we've got going on we have we don't have very we have very little opportunity and you know people talk about you know I've gotten several positive comments with Caleb you know seeing improvement is flying and this kind of thing well Caleb practices at fun flies Um, he gets to fly at fun flies and maybe you know every once in a while like when we did the testing we specifically took a couple helicopters out last week and we were setting up new helicopters and adjusting settings. It wasn't that we were just going to fly. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing, but that's just a fact that, you know, busy-wise and what all we've got going on. Um, the other thing is, you know, Caleb's 12, and he likes to hunt. He likes to fish. He plays cello and piano. He's involved in church stuff, and I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. He's a 12-year-old kid. And he likes to ride his bike and do things that 12-year-old kids like to do. And sure. if you go fly a helicopter, great. Let's go fly a helicopter. If he wants to go fishing, well, that's okay, too. We'll go fishing. So, you know, I, I don't I don't push him to make him do something that he doesn't want to do. I mean, he loves to fly helicopters. But we've got so many varied interests that we're divided there. And then when we do go to the field, um, honestly, I get as much enjoyment or more watching Caleb fly as I would find myself or helping him learn something or whatever. Uh, Not so, for sure. You know, most of the time when we go to the field and we're doing something, 90% of the time Caleb's flying. I, I have gotten a lot more enjoyment lately out of, uh, we picked up a couple of uh, Henslow TDFs. Mm-hmm. And a very lightweight machine. Um, and it's cool the way we got it set up. That it's scary. i got a very wide head speed range. Um, I've, I run anywhere from 1,100 to 1,900 RPM, and it's so light that at 1,900, it's like running a you know 700X or a Goblin or something like 21. It's it's very very lightweight. Um, I've got it set up on 12S, but it can also fly at a lower head speed on 6S or 7S pack. Yeah, you know, I can do 1,500 RPM on 7S pack, mm-hmm. and you can do whatever in the world you want to at 1,500 RPM for nine minutes on a TDF with a 7S pack. The way I've got it wow. set up. 
cool. So for whatever reason, that machine has clicked with me. Um, not that I don't enjoy other flying, flying other machines, I really do, but somehow that, and it may be that um, the stability of it or the linearity of the servos or the lower head speed or it's probably a combination of all of the above, I really enjoy flying that machine, and that just kind of seems to fit me for some reason. And I've been getting in a few more flights on that just because when we go to the field, you know, that's really cool, and, and I've enjoyed playing with it. But honestly, the majority of the time when we go, um, Caleb gets to fly, and I don't mind that. That's Any of you that have kids, particularly as they get older, I think you can understand what I'm talking about. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see it with Robin Devin a lot, you know. It's like another father son type of duel type of deal. So yeah. Yeah, same um, thing. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I'm a sport to very, very mild three D guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can explain to Caleb how to new maneuvers. I know technically how they work and what stick movements are and all that, but I just never fly and get any time to practice them. Right. Um, you know, honestly he's he's gonna pick up quicker on anything than I would anyway because of younger eyes and reflexes and whatever. Um, Isn't that crazy, huh? Yeah. How these kids, they really, really pick these things up like nothing. Like, it's you know, amazing the progression, the rate of progression they have. You know, it's funny. He, there's been, well, there's been multiple times where he's watched somebody do something on a video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I give you an example. First part of this year, it was January, February, and we went out really quick. We were testing something. I can't remember which. It was 700 size machine, but I can't remember which one he was flying. Okay, went up real high and came down in this really different orientation doing a, a tail slide, and the way he popped out of it was completely different, and it scared me because I thought I didn't know if he was going to pull out or what was going on. I was like, okay, okay, okay. He said, okay. <laughs> he just did this really cool <laughs> maneuver. Yeah. He said, I was watching a video the other day, and I saw Mirko do that, and I wanted to try it. <laughs> and so... You know, he just had never tried it before, and just all of a sudden, out of the blue, you know, he he knew where the stigma movements were based on, you know, he's just done other things that are similar, and so, bam, he's trying this thing that scares me to death, you know, pulling out two feet off the deck, and I'm like, you know, breathing real hard, and he's like, all right, it's okay, it's okay. you know, but mm-hmm. that's happened many times. You know, at spring playing, he'd, he'd watch the Kyle's fly, or he'll watch, uh, you know, Jamie, or whoever it is, Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll see them do something, and the next flight you'll see him try to incorporate something. And obviously, it's not as clean and as good as those guys, but they can pick up and get the inspiration from them. That's another thing that's really cool about us going to events. It's different watching a video, and you guys know this. If you're standing mm-hmm. right, somebody flying, you know, a, a high-level competition pilot, and watch that that flight, it it is just not the same thing as watching a video of that. It's nowhere near close. Oh yeah. And, it's night and, day. and and being able to pick up on those things and watch the maneuvers and see what they're doing, you know, we'll be standing there watching a flight from whoever, and Caleb said, that was really cool. Did you see that, how he did this, move aileron over here and then pop over, you know? I said, yeah, you need to write that down or remember that or do something to go and play with that. Um, so he gets a lot of inspiration watching the guys, and, of course, he enjoys hanging out with them and learning from them, and, and everybody's gracious and you know, putting up with his questions and whatever when he goes up to the pros and pesters and all that. But uh, we we enjoy it, but most of the time he's doing the flying, not me. Yeah, Caleb got some skills. He definitely knows how to fly very well. It's awesome. 
let's talk about this a little. And there's something new that I just kind of heard about today. Uh, we were talking about a little before when Kevin, you were having some technical difficulties. But uh, uh, team only find helis. Yes, sir. Yeah. So can we kind of talk about that and you know the conception of that and you know who the the team members are and stuff, kind of. Let me start way back a little ways. You know, I used to distribute DT uh, years ago mm-hmm. and brought them in. And unfortunately, they kind of closed up shop. You know, I, everything was going big and we were planning on new things and working on new models. And I got an email at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and it was gone that quick. Wow. Uh, and, you know, wow. we, we had a team that um, that was helping us with that. That was Team DT USA. And... Um, Obviously, you know, that team went away, the manufacturer went away, but, you know, there wasn't any benefit for the team being there. And um, so we had had a team concept before with that and just enjoyed hanging out with the guys and, you know, the, the, the team part of it, just the camaraderie. And also bouncing ideas back and forth off each other and things of that nature. Well, I guess, I don't know the exact timetable, a year, year and a half, maybe, after... Um, DT ended up maybe two years, you know, we got to thinking about it and several people approached us and said, you know, Hey, you know, what can I do? I enjoy working with you guys. I appreciate what you do. How, what can we do to help to support uh, only fine alleys? So we started a very loosely uh, associated team. It's not the kind of thing where, okay, you have to go to this event and you know, you have to be a XFC level pilot. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. Basically what we look for are people that, enjoy flying that can be helpful to others that are good representatives of the hobby and if they're at a uh, sport mild 3d level or if they're hard 3d level it really doesn't matter you know if yeah if we get 20 xfc quality pilots in there yeah that's great but that's not the the most important thing that we're looking for we're looking for folks that are helpful and visible in the hobby whether it be online or whether it be at fun flies uh, we just added a couple of people actually yesterday um, that I've been looking at for some time and talk, talking with. Um, several of the guys, we got several guys in Texas. Um, we have um, one in Puerto Rico, uh, a couple of y'all's way in the Jersey area, um, a couple in North Carolina, one in Tennessee, one in Maryland, uh, Ohio. We don't have as many. In fact, don't have any on the West Coast right now, which that's something that I'm looking to talk to some people and try to spread that out a little bit further that direction. And that's just mm-hmm. a natural thing of, you know, we know more people on this side and see them a lot more fun flies. Sure, yeah. Um, All right. We uh, we just finished doing some uh, some real nice shirts. Um, I talked with Matt, and the same company that uh, that does Synergy shirts is doing our Dice-Up shirts for our team shirts. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Matt has some awesome team pilot shirts. We'll have those. Um, I think I talked to him this morning. I think they're available July 12th, if I remember. So we should have everybody in those and whatever for Urcha. And then we've got some new uh, uh, T-shirts that we're working on and all that. And, and we have a lot of people that <laughs> – it's funny. Was it last, last year, Urcha? Yes. Last year, Urcha – Thursday. Were you guys at Urcha last year? No. So, no. It was either Thursday or Friday, but I think it was Thursday. It was, you know, it was, it's always windy there, but it was relatively warm most all the days. And then Thursday, it was like 51 degrees and raining. 
And um, everybody, you know, nobody was prepared for that. Everybody's running around in a, in a T-shirt and flip-flops and shorts. Mm-hmm. And I brought 60, I can't remember exactly, 63 or 64 hoodies with me to Urcha that I just had, you know, with all my stuff, with my T-shirts and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I had in bins that were in my trailer. Well, nice. Come that Thursday or Friday, whatever a day it was, you know, mm-hmm. a few of them sitting out on the table. But you know, how many hoodies do you sell in August? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. all of a sudden, we started getting these rush and people growing up. You know, they didn't have jackets, and so yeah. whatever it was, sixty-three or however many hoodies I sold on that one day at Urcha, and people were. It didn't matter what size that they could get into it. They were buying it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. We have some new designs of hoodies and t-shirts, you know, for non-team guys, you know, that we'll have out. And we try to distribute those and hats and whatever at Fun Flies as well. We try to help out as many Fun Flies as we can. And normally what we do there are um, discount coupons where you can get, you know, 15, 20, 25% off discount coupons to be able to get whatever you want off the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do hats and shirts and stuff like that. So um, we do that for just regular exposure, but for for team guys, we're, we're looking to add on guys that fit into those qualifications that um, that I'm talking about. And it, it's like what you talked about earlier, Steve, that if you enjoy flying, it's infectious and other people will enjoy doing it. And that's what I tell my team guys. Just go out there and have fun. And if you do that, then you know that's you'll be doing your job and, and you'll be effective in helping to promote the hobby and helping to promote only finality. So that's yeah. what we do. Nice. Awesome. I know, I know you said the location. So who, who are these guys in Jersey that are on the team? Just curious. There's a crazy guy. You probably never heard his, his name. He's Ed Johnson. You don't know of a guy by that name, do you? He's, I think I heard of him. He does like some podcasting or some, whatever yeah. that thing is. I went to lunch with him once. I've said Steve <laughs> earlier that they're being slack lately, that the hooligans need to get it in gear and, and yeah. get us out of podcasts here. Uh-huh. But, Ed's on the team. Uh, Kevin Keats is up there in your nice. area. Um, yeah, I know Kevin. Yeah. Daniel Murnane is in the Maryland area. He just came on recently. Um, I don't know if you guys know. Mark Herring is down in North Carolina. You may have seen him fly at Earth, at uh, Spring Fling. I don't know. Probably did. May or may not know who it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mark's a good pilot. He's a pretty hard smart guy. Michael Lucky is down in, in uh, Puerto Rico. Michael Lucky, I heard that name before. Yeah, Michael is is has good relationship with the um, RCHN guys and goes to that fun fly out there just about every year. Um, nice. He's known them for years and had a good relationship with them. He was on the original um, Rush team uh, or Alias team. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, before that had a problem, and then he was with me with DT, and then that had a problem. So <laughs> I don't know if it's I don't know if it's his fault or whose fault his associations he's had some team issues but he's a real good guy he's down in Puerto Rico Uh, a lot of Texas guys Kenny Sierra uh, Sloan um, Richard Spiegel uh, Kenny that sounds familiar Helly's over Apache Pass exactly yeah Yeah. okay nice Uh, Kenny's on our team Andy Ross is a new guy that I just picked up that is a Real nice guy from Tennessee, North Carolina area. He's kind of on the line. Yeah, we know Andy. Yeah, yep. we know Andy. Yeah, yep. He just recently came on. Nice. I think that's everybody. I'm going off the top of my head. Please forgive me, whoever it is. If I miss somebody, but I think that's who we have right now. There's a couple of guys that we're looking at and we're talking to. But mm-hmm. if if there are folks that fit into that 
line and feel comfortable with us as only fine helis and that's something of interest to you feel free to shoot me a note and you know message me email me or something and we'll see if it's a fit for both of us and go from there nice congratulations on your team by the way i saw that note yesterday before or whatever so yes oh thank you. news and announcements <laughs> should we yeah. go into news and announcements then yeah sure all right so ooh, ooh i got some news <laughs> I know you got some news. So yeah, um, yeah. As as our listeners probably already know, um, I've joined Team SAB USA, and yeah, um, it's, it's an honor. It really is. Just, I mean, I'm duh, <laughs> speechless from it. Um, it's really cool. It's it's you know, I've I've always liked Goblin since my first Goblin ever got, and and like it's always been. I don't know, my kind of go-to heli, even though I, I did, you know, I did the responsible thing and and not just, like, get stuck on one brand. I, I did explore and try different brands and different helis. And, and, but, you know, I find myself always going back to Goblin, so just going always back to SAB. So, you know, so I did take the position of, of being, you know, a team pilot for SAB USA and, you know, kind of fits in well with my, my sponsorship with uh, BK Servos and Switch Rotor Blades. So... Um, when an opportunity came up, you know, I jumped on it and I, you know, I appreciate the support that, that, you know, Ron Kors Jr. and also obviously SAB USA and, and Bert, um, having me. So, so that's, you know, I'm just, that's, it's great. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's like the post came out and I was so busy that day. Um, that I didn't even know. I didn't even know, like it was released, you know, the information was out and all I know is Ron <laughs> texted me, and I, I didn't even see his text. That's how busy I was um, until like a couple hours later. And he's like, it's official. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I go online. I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and, and like even to this, even that whole day uh, was it yesterday. Uh, I was kind of speechless. I like I couldn't. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to post. I was just like, uh, uh, everyone's saying congrats and all this stuff. And I'm just like, um, uh, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> Um, but yesterday was kind of crazy because I, you know, my, my daughter graduated elementary school. So she was like, or whatever they call it, moving up celebration. And, and then also a water pipe broke in my house. So oh, <laughs> I had geez. to call a plumber and everything. And, you know, it was just a nightmare yesterday. Uh, you know, as far as the plumbing part, obviously my daughter graduating middle school is awesome. Um, our elementary school, I mean. Going into middle school is awesome, but like, it's just like, oh man, now I got to deal with this, and you know, but yeah, and then and then <laughs> the news gets out, and I'm like, oh man, what do I? I don't even know what to say, but um, it it was awesome. It's definitely, I'm speechless for it, and I I just you know I really appreciate the opportunity, um, and well, hope, I know you'll you know, do the uh, the brand justice, dude. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. that was one of the things that I'm always like. Uh, you know, I hear it all the time. I heard it when you know I joined uh, when my I joined my first sponsor, Lynx Heli. That like it's not about pilot skills, but to me, for someone who's uh, you know when when I hear about someone who's an SAB pilot or any of the main brands, right, like Synergy Align, like you know I, I expect a certain level of flying proficiency, and I didn't ever feel like I was there yet. Even though, you know, Ron saw me fly, you know, many times, spring fling, when we go up to Chris's event, uh, Chris's, not event, but his uh, Diamantes field yeah. up, up north. And, like, we'll be hanging out and he'll fly. And it's like, dude, that's awesome. You're doing so much better. And I'm just like, 
yeah, thank you. You know, like I learned a couple of things. I'm trying to incorporate it, but it's, I never thought I would, I could live up to, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just putting it on a pedestal, but like to be a team pilot for such a, a big airframe company, you know? Well, dude, let me say two things. Congratulations. And when are you moving to Florida? <laughs> because you have to move to Florida if you SAB, right? <laughs> no, but you'll move in. You'll be my representative down there. How about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, you I know you're that. probably doing that sometime in the near future. So, <laughs> You're with a great group of guys, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. So, I'm going down there and busting all that up with my oxys. Your oxys that, and your logos? Get that out of here. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for you to pick up a goblin. I'm just saying, like... You know, know dude. your 690's got out of commission for a little bit and it's been having issues. And I know what would fix that right up. Let me put it this way, dude. <laughs> yeah. The daughter's getting married next year. And if I needed a life-saving operation and it cost this much, I'd probably be thinking about it and not just going <laughs> right for it. Right. So <laughs> money's kind of tight. No, I hear you, man. I uh, don't uh, Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But anyway, I have other news if you're finished. Yeah. Uh, speaking of oxys. You know, they posted something on Facebook about the new uh, Oxy 3 edition for 2018 coming out and that the Oxy 3 was their first product four years ago. And I'm like, wow, it's been four years. I I, I don't know. I just they took everything by storm by coming out with a great product, you know, right off the bat because we got into it shortly after that, really. Yeah. So, yeah, they're um they're going to be improving the uh, the Oxy 3 uh, and creating a oxy 3 270 and they're going to be doing away with my much loved two oxy 255 yep which i'm sure i can still get parts for like till i'm 75 from them <laughs> or i mean the best part about it is you know luca mentioned basically that like you know there's over 5,000 oxy 3 kits out there so you know with that much helis out there one of his main like design points of the new Oxy 3 is the backwards compatibility. And he yeah. needs to be able to get the new parts working on the old helis or forward compatibility, I guess. But like, yeah, he want to make sure that like, you know, that you're not left in the dry with a helicopter you can't get parts for. So at the very least, you can upgrade your 250 to the 270. So, yeah. you know, which is great, right? Like you go through all your tail booms and there's no more tail belt, you know? At least you can upgrade and still be flying that helicopter, that airframe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm dying to see it. And he mentioned about the canopy being, uh, you know, a little bit larger. You know. Yep. It's going to be a- based off the AKA Oxy Four, Oxy Four style. Yeah, aka and, the muscle. <laughs> he calls it. I think. Well, I think that's the one part of the Oxy Three that it took me a while to get used to, and folding the, you know, the the electrical leads over in a certain way to get that mm-hmm. canopy on right. Yes. You know that all was trial and error and having just a larger canopy will alleviate that yes so awesome man i can't wait to see it yeah and i think the first version that's going to come out is um what is he said there's two new versions uh, obviously one's a 270 but the first one is he's working with Turek to uh redo the Turek edition i can't wait to see that yeah you know so i'm curious i'm curious if he's going to keep the uh the orange anodized you know parts or if, he, if they're going to move away from that or do something different cool yeah, and I got some other news. Um, oh boy! Yeah, so we got HOD this weekend. So yes, that's gonna be freaking awesome. I can't wait. HOD. So uh, I would say, you know, Spring Fling HOD. Those are like the 
at least like in the Northeast, like you have to go to, <laughs> you, you know, including Fall Mow Down, you know, but like those two events or three events, um, they're fantastic events to go to. There's also the Rochester event, which is an amazing event. And hopefully, I don't know if I think they didn't, do, I don't know if they're doing it this year or not, but the other event is the, um, the one in Massachusetts, um, Phenom. The Heli Phenom, yeah. Yeah. So I heard it might not be going on this year, but hopefully, you know, they get their stuff together and they can uh, get that event going. But yeah, yeah. So HOD is coming up this weekend and, you know, we're getting some awesome confirmations on, you know, some top pilots that's going to be there and, and just, you know, Shannon's going to be there for party support and also, you know, to help out and Caleb's going to throw down and, you know, so that's going to be awesome too. Nice. This is our first HOD. We're really looking forward to it because I've heard so many great things about it in comparisons with, you know, being similar to spring fling and all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we're we're anxiously awaiting getting there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How long of a trip is that for you, Shannon? Uh, that can't be too bad, right? I'm gonna say five and a half. You know, I, I'm going a different route than what the uh, the, the GPS takes me up 95 going through DC and all that, which I'm Ooh, gonna yeah <laughs> avoid. Route. I'm going to go 301 over to 50. Um, so it, it's kind of taking me on a little bit smaller roads. I don't know how that's going to be, you know, driving trailer. But mm-hmm. best guess is probably five and a half. Certainly no more than six. Okay. Okay. How, how long does it take you to normally get to Spring Fling to Fredericksburg? Oh, uh, that's my, in my backyard, probably two and a half hours. Okay. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Also, there's news that, um, oh, first of all, I want to mention. All these news that I'm talking about personally, besides my uh, at the SAB news, but these news items that I'm I'm repeating, I, I do need to thank Andy Ross for them. He's the one who's uh who's kind of helped us out, uh you know, giving us some news items to uh, talk about. Because I mean, with my day to day, I'm just so busy at work, I don't have time to to look up news and and you know, doing a weekly show, it's it's hard to keep track week after week of all the new stuff coming out. So, thank you, Andy, for uh, hooking us up. Thanks, Andy. So, yeah, he also posted here about the Allied Flight Academy. It's going to be at Urcha. And it's looking like it's going to be about $250 per person. And it's Tuesday through and Tuesday and Wednesday. And you go to AlliedFlightAcademy.com to register. Space is limited. So, definitely, if you're interested in doing that, um, do it. It's cool, you know. And let, let me throw in a plug real quick. Caleb did that at uh, Spring Flame. Yes, okay. And... Um, I would recommend it for, particularly for people at beginning to middle levels. But you know, even at, at Caleb's level and up, you know, there, there's always something to improve on. And uh, they started out with everybody going through machines, and there was quite a few people that their performance and their flying was helped because there was an adjustment on the machine that made the machine more linear and easier to fly, or fly barless setting, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were a lot of people that were having difficulty with certain maneuvers, and it wasn't necessarily their skill level, it was their setup. Sure. So, you know, that was one of the first things they went through that was very helpful, and also, you know, an opportunity for people to ask questions and, you know, what's the difference in this and this as far as blade style or pitch or whatever it may be. And then, you know, you had individualized instruction uh, that was catered toward what your needs were and what goals you had, you know, what you were trying to pursue. So. You know, watching it from a personal standpoint, both with Caleb and other people that were taking the class, I think it worked very well. And regardless of your skill level, I think it'd be beneficial to you. So uh, I would recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Nice. 
And if I'm, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Alan Zabel Jr. that was also working at with Gail, right? At Twin yeah. Swing? Yeah. Um, Alan and um, Alan was there working with Gail. He he was doing most of the work with people at Spring Fling. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, um, at Urcha, they're going to have Alan and my mom just went blank. Um, Is it Ben? Yes, yeah, Ben Stork. So yes. I think both. They were trying to get Colin. He's had a, a, a accident, and I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. But certainly, I think they're. I may be wrong, but I want to say they're limiting it to ten people. And if you got Alan, you know, both those guys together, you're you're going to be fine. Alan and Ben, yeah. ten people is way more than enough to be able to get done what they need to. Yeah, and what I wanted to you know get to is that like, you know, it doesn't really matter your skill level as far as like you know if you're a beginner or intermediate, or even if you're like a really advanced pilot, right? Like almost pro level or ex- expert level that, you know, the teachers are even better than you. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. whatever your work kind of work through, they'll be able to help you. So there's probably nothing you can throw at them that won't be like, Oh, this is why, or this is how you can work on this maneuver to get this down better or, you know, help you progress regardless yeah. of your skill level, which is great. And I would encourage people maybe even more on the bottom end. I mean, there was a gentleman yeah. that, that goes to a lot of fun flies that's at a basic sport level that the majority of his flying was upright circles that mm-hmm. doing circuits. Yep. And that was the majority of his flying all week. And you could see him progress and getting better and better with that, more confident. And, you know, his turns were much more coordinated with tail and, and aileron and stuff like that. And so even if you're at a very beginner level, if, if you're, tail in hovering only not nose in and you're working on stuff you know you can still benefit from this class and there's things that that you can get out of it so even at a lower level or introductory level don't feel like oh no i'm not good enough to go in this class um if if you're hovering and can move the helicopter around they can help you so yes nice another news and this is unfortunate news in my opinion and this is about um experience rc yeah, so news have uh, been released that Experience RC will be closing up shop. <coughs> so they're going to have some crazy sales, which is, you know, it's good on that aspect. But yeah, another online realtor, online uh, store is going to be going out of business. I believe, weren't they, um, they were they were big on, what is it, um, OptiPower, right? As far as batteries, I believe. Yeah, OptiPower and Compass were the two. And Compass, yes. Yeah, that's kind of what made them stand out for sure. That is sad news. Yeah, it's, it sucks to hear, you know, any hobby shop closing down just because, you know, people, it's like, I mean, I, was just, I guess it's good and bad, but it's it just sucks, like, I don't know, because people are losing their job, right? Like, you know, the people who yeah. own this and work there and stuff, so. But hopefully, uh, yeah, you know, that stuff will get moved to another hobby shop or the people will take, you know, lead on that, I guess. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I saw this post, which got me really excited and then really sad at the same time. So <laughs> Mikado posted that V-Control Touch is shipping. Yay. <laughs> Update. Not in the U.S. or Canada, though. <laughs> I was like, damn you. <laughs> they're, still, they're still waiting for FCC to approve the, uh, you know, the transmission side of that, that radio. So they have to do their testing and, and everything. So so we're, hopefully it's not going to be much longer. But, yes, us folks in North America will still have to wait a little bit. Well, I have a question, and I don't know if you can answer it, but is this a different wattage of radio? 
than the other one? Or no, but the technology is like it is a little different. I don't know what the you know nuances are that are make that makes it different, but because it's a different form factor, like as far as like the internal components, if you look at it compared to the other one, you know, to the original V control, that yeah. you know FCC needs to go over it all over again, like it was brand new, you know. So us folks in North America, I'm I just want to like, damn, can I just go out to like Central America and buy one and bring it back? What? <laughs> Wow, what's going on with this? I don't understand. Like, you uh, know, I'm a little bit familiar with how the FCC process works with uh, being on the sidelines, watching, and being not directly involved, but indirectly knowing what was going on with some other products that have gone through FCC approval. Mm-hmm. And there, it's considerable expense, and there's a lot of hoops that, that you got to go through. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of red tape, and you know, you even to some wheels. That, you know, some manufacturers. That, that we use here in the U.S., they will, let's, let's say you have a transmitter that one is a six channel, one's an eight, one's a nine, or one's a four and a five or whatever, you know, they may make the exact same guts with a mm-hmm. six channel and a four channel and disable the two channels because it's going to cost them way too much to, you know, they're not going to get the, the return on investment out of a four channel if they have right. to send the approval. So it's cheaper for them to put a six channel and a four and just disable and have four, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it's very involved and and again cost wise, there's a lot more involved than what us just regular Joes would think. So it's a pretty mm-hmm. big involved process. I just hope they're on the tail end of it now and FCC's just kind of like, yeah, all right, we're gonna approve it. Here's your certificate, you know, and and then you know, a lot of people waiting on it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. I could only imagine. I mean, they they must. I'm pretty sure pre-sales like everyone sold out. You know, is there any other news? No, nothing. You didn't go to Horizon Hobby. I was on Horizon Hobby, but there's nothing new on Horizon Hobby. Ah, boy. <laughs> All right. How about you, Shannon? You have any new news you want to announce, or you might hear maybe some inside news since you know you're in the biz. <laughs> not not anything that I can share. Um, no, not not really anything off the top that I, I can share. I, I think there's going to be uh, again. I, I'll go back to Urch. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. There's some, some different things that Urch is doing this year and the way they're handling stuff that I'm looking forward to. As far as product stuff and all, I don't. Uh, um, nothing comes to mind, no sir. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the top ten shotgun round. Okay. All right. So Kevin, you want to start with the first question, or should I? I will start with the first question. All sure. Right. Cool. What happens? Right. What happens if I fail? Is this like a pass or fail? No, no, no. This is a no. pass or pass, or you're cool, <laughs> or you're or you're not cool. No, no. <laughs> either way, it doesn't matter. You can you can answer right. truthfully to, you know, what you feel. So it's like the Department of Motor Vehicle. You can answer whatever you want. You're going to get your license anyway. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the first wait, question wait, wait, wait. is: It's a one thing different about DMV. It's only what? English here. I'm sorry. That's I good. have a big gripe about that. Anyways, yeah. There. <laughs> All right, go, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> You're like, uh, how do I follow that? <laughs> I, I don't want to start that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that stream. <laughs> All right, first question is pinch or thumb? Thumb. Nitro or electric? Uh, that's, that's a tough having to pick. I, yeah. 
I'm that's a fifty-one forty-nine. I'm gonna say electric, but we like a lot of nitro too. Sure, just by a hair, okay. Uh, five fifty or seven hundred size. Seven hundred. All right. Have you flown a fly bar heli before? Yes, sir. How long ago? About a month ago, I was helping a guy with one. Oh, okay. Really? Nice. Nice. Yep. nice. Um, and he had his his paddle was not his paddle the was not even, so he had oh when yeah wobble. Looked, at, looked <laughs> relatively close, but when you measured it, and I don't remember the exact measurements, but mm-hmm. you know, on one side the the paddle was coming out of the head 100 millimeters, and the other one was like 110. So yeah. uh, when we first pulled it up, it was not real good immediately hit hold and started looking trying to figure out what was going on and yeah it's scary that was, that was an obvious thing that once we fixed that it wasn't too bad but yeah that, i've i've been through a few of them nice scale or 3d i really enjoy somebody flying scale properly and watching it. i think that's really cool but i'll have to say 3d cool okay strap or strapless uh, strapless probably i i'm i'm okay either way but Probably majority strapless, okay. and and I think that comes from me. Caleb prefers a strap, but mm-hmm. for me, it's almost like um, when I fly, I'm more testing something or trying something. So I'll pick up the transmitter and fly for uh, thirty seconds or a minute and set it down, and then adjust something and go in and tweak the helicopter, or play with something, and I'll take it up again. So part of that is almost because I'm always messing with something more than I'm flying, versus Caleb is more flying than messing. So. He's more strap and I'm more without. Hmm. Fair enough, yeah. Okay. Coreless or brushless servos? I'm okay either way. I think the majority of what we have are brushless, but yeah. I, I'm I'm really okay either way. Cool. Uh, fuselage style or pot and boom? Probably pot and boom, although yeah, I, I, do, you, do you consider it like a goblin style or fuselage style? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we have the 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 Protos Max. We have the Evolution mm-hmm. uh, canopy on that with the carbon boom, which I really like. One of my all-time favorite best-looking helicopters was the JR Forza, mm-hmm. which um, with the boom buy, cover. Yeah. Which okay. mm-hmm. that's one of the prettiest helicopters, in my opinion. That I, I just really like the lines of that, and unfortunately. Yeah. They are had issues and whatever. Yep. But as far as just pure looks, that was a really, really pretty machine to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I have to go half and half on that one as well. Mm-hmm. But the the Freedom Edition Goblin I really like. I'm mm-hmm. kind of a sucker for patriotic things. Yep. So yeah. now that the 570 Freedom's coming out, you know, I got to think about that one real hard as well. But um, I don't know. I may have just talked myself into a fuselage. I know. I'm about to say. I'm going to put a on that one, too. I'm, I'm going to okay. beg to go both ways. Uh, 6S or 12S? Now, 12S. I'm going to do a brief explanation, though. I'm, I'm, uh, I've always been a big fan of an initial helicopter, particularly a learning helicopter with somebody starting out or in trying to really progress at an intro to medium level, having a single battery helicopter like a 520, 550 size machine, uh, to me, that's a lot easier to get in multiple flights that way. It's because of the number of batteries and charging situations and all that and the size of the machine, Mm -hmm. it's just a lot easier to go out and fly 
10 flight, flights on a 6S machine than a 12S machine. For me, it has been. But that said, the further down the road we go, the more I'm gravitating to a 700 size machine, which automatically takes us to 12S, unless you're doing low head speed something. So, um, yeah, I'll have to say 12. All right. Nice. And then the final question is, Urcha or smaller events? And smaller events, I mean by like spring playing or HOD. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say smaller events. As much as I, I want Urcha to grow and, and roll and continue to get better, you know, the smaller events are where it's at. You know, not only spring playing, but even, you know, like the, the RCHO guys where, you know, you mm-hmm. may go that even if it's one of their, not their main events where you got, you know, 25 or 30 guys there or something like that. It's just a different atmosphere that everybody's just hanging out flying. And yep. that's that's what I like. Awesome. All right. Cool. Cool. And and on a side note, I need to go down to that field or to their events. I mean, they seem like, first of all, they have a lot of events. <laughs> At least I'm seeing a lot on Facebook. It's like, you know, a lot of posts uh, from Rick and and folks posting about, you know, Lincoln flying and stuff, which I think is he's one of the most exciting pilots that I, I like to watch at Fun Flies. Um, so. In other words, he's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy yeah. low. Uh, what's the other guy? Chris Olsen, too. He's good. Yeah. And he's crazy. And they fly, like, it's not that they fly, like, aggressively low, like, you know, like the Kyles or Jamie or, you know, but they're smooth and they're, like, they just, that, that style of, like, smooth 3D on the deck, I just, I love that. And the blades, like, shoot, the collective stops just sound so perfect. It's great. Yeah. Well, that, it's a really neat group of guys. They love night flying. I think they mm-hmm. just don't fly anything else. Um, I mean, it's it's rare to see Lincoln fly during the day. We give him a hard time about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But For sure. <laughs> it's a great group of guys. Uh, you know, their field, they're kind of they're kind of stuck because their field is a uh, an old landfill. And they're not allowed to improve the area, so they can't oh, really like that. Jeez, oh, wow! And they can't they can't really go in and level it. So it's got a couple of little dips and whatever in it. That as long as mm-hmm. you know where they are, it's no problem. Right. Um, I guess it was January. Yeah the uh, the hooligan fun fly the yep the chill out whatever, mm-hmm. January. Yep. It had rained uh, for several days beforehand, and uh, with. The who guns rolled in in a big old RV and got the RV stuck when the white when they first. Oh out. no! <laughs> um, it, you know, if it's pouring down rain, there can be a couple of puddles here or there. You know, after if it's rained for two or three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the group of guys are great. Um, there's a full scale airport that is right behind the flight line. You have the flight line, and then where you set up tents, and there, there's a like some brushes and scrub, you know, some small trees. Mm-hmm. And behind that is a is a full scale uh, air raid right there. And so periodically you'll be flying, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a twin engine will go right behind you, take it off. And that's uh, oh, it's, wow. it's a unique field, but pretty cool. That's cool, man. Nice. Let's uh, go into what's next for you in the hobby. All right, man. What's next for you? Delaware. Yeah, Helly's over Delaware. Yeah, be there or be square. Oh, that's too corny. I'll go take a lap. <laughs> that's the main thing for me is uh, being able to get to go to Delaware, and then immediately after that, there may be another smaller thing we're getting to, but really it's just going to be prep for our trip. Nice. And try to get things squared away so that we're ready to go. And 
my whole family goes with me there. So my wife and daughter uh, come with us along with Caleb. Oh, nice. We'll get there sometime. Generally, we'll get there no later than Tuesday and then stay through the week. So mm-hmm. uh, one of my teen guys, his wife is coming as well, and they'll hang out with my wife and daughter and probably go do some stuff in between. Mm-hmm. We we kind of make it a family week as, as well as uh, – It's a long uh, time. Yeah. yeah. We enjoy it. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, this uh, this year is going to be the first Urcha that I'm going to, so I can't wait. You will enjoy it. Basically, HOD, so I do need to work on the Goblin Black Nitro a little. I got those, uh, you know, SAB aluminum tank mounts I want to upgrade to, so I get that swapped out. Got to work on my scale heli. Um, not really for HOD. I'm not going to bring it there, even though there is a lot of scale heli action there. It's more, you know, I want to bring it for our fun fly, Kevin. So I'm going to nice. try to get that ready for, uh, you know, that, that uh, what do you call it? The weekend after HOD. Cool. Yeah. A lot of HOD prep and and then prep for our fun fly, which is going to, which I'm totally not ready for. <laughs> which is the week after. Yes, which is the week. And actually, I just, uh, I forgot to mention, I have some news and announcements for that too. Um, Ugh. Yeah. It's okay. Fred's not on the show. You're going to do it now? Yes, I'm doing right now. All right. Yeah. So, um, our friend um, Gulami uh, messaged us, and he was talking to Sam, the owner of Heli Direct. So, and and you know, he wants to sponsor our Funfly. So, gave us a couple things that we can, um, you know, give away or or auction off or whatever we do. It's all going to be giveaway. We're not doing raffles. We're just going to give stuff away. All right. So, cool. Yeah, so that's very exciting. So thank you, Heli Direct, Sam and Gulami, or a.k.a. Cold Pox. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's all I wanted to Nice. And then what about you, Kevin? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to get my broken helicopters ready for HOD, and it's going to be a crapshoot whether or not I can make it down and stay down because I'm on call, but it's only two and a half hours away from my house or three hours away. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing it, man. I want to come down Do and just see everybody. Maybe I'll get a f- couple flights in or whatnot. I'm charging stuff up now because tomorrow night I'm working late and I have to edit. I don't know how I'm going to get that done. but uh, And then so that leaves me just Thursday night to really edit. And hopefully I don't get any calls. And I don't want to be scrambling at the last minute Friday night trying to charge stuff up and whatnot. So, so I'm charging right now, like four days in advance. <laughs> <laughs> When you get there, come over and say hi and let me shake your hands because since I hadn't met you. so that'd Yeah, be good. definitely. That and also um, your logo 690 just needs what? A one-way and a bearing? The one-way bearing and also another? Yeah, I have the one-way. Uh, I need the other plate piece that holds the two bearings in. Well, you know, you're talking to a guy who owns a hobby shop right now. <laughs> That's going to be an HOD. <laughs> so might be, you know. If I did he, I don't know. order it. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I ordered it Sunday or Saturday. I, as soon as possible, I ordered it. You should be good then. Yeah, yeah, you should be. Yeah, you should definitely be good by then. Yeah, you should get it no later than I would say Thursday. I hope so because I really miss flying that thing. I mean, the oxys are great, but. Um, Was it two times now that that thing is just like you go for a flight and one way goes out mid flight? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it, that's a bummer. And uh, yeah, it's just strange, man. So that's it, man. That's what I'm going to be doing. Awesome. Okay, so Facebook likes. We are at 784 likes. Uh, Facebook is saying that there's no new likes, but I do see that there's two names here I don't recognize, or maybe three names. I don't know if I set this one either. So whatever. I'll just say it again. Uh, okay. So we have Brian Tornavaca. 
we have Richard Collins, brother of Phil Collins, or, or Tom Collins, or Tom Collins. Yeah. <laughs> and then this name, I don't know if I read this, but it wasn't you know highlighted as new, but it was Jay Spence. No, I don't think. And then there's another name I don't recognize. So I'm gonna just say anyways. It's Bradster Adamus. No. Adamus. Adamus. Yeah, that sounds better. Adamus. All right. Well, thank you for liking us, and thanks to our folks that have been following and like us. We do. Oh wait, what is this? A last minute like has come on. <laughs> uh, so we have one more, and it is. Shannon Turner. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, just got it. I just saw a flick of life out here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. I saw your stuff all the time because I have friends. You know, a lot of my friends were already liked, and so I saw your stuff. So I was thinking I'd already liked your stuff, but then I looked at it and I hadn't. So it is now. Nice. Thank so you. So that's a real time test, dude. That there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, so it works. Maybe, maybe we should quit bashing Facebook. I don't know. Well, I, don't I don't see that happening, though. No, no. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, Facebook comments. What do we have? Uh, one comment I want to uh, mention is uh, Jason Klein said, Guys, you should have come to Warwick event. It was awesome. And I asked, how was it? Give us a recap. So he said, uh, gray overcast conditions threatened rain all weekend, but it never showed. Temps were super comfortable. As a result, the full-scale runway was well-groomed. The lake was like glass. The food the host club cooked was awesome. Flew all day and all night. Phenomenal event. Uh, usually one of my favorite events to fly at. No exception this year. And he's been to like Seth, Nall, Neat, and he compares that to be one of the best. So awesome. Thank you, Jason, for that update. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I, you know, I was going to go up there, but then the weather was supposed to be really bad. I think it actually did rain here, and I'm not far from Warwick. Yeah, yeah, it did down here, yeah. So uh, I didn't think it was going to be much of a turnout. I should have went up there anyways. Eh. Yeah, that's all right. Um, there's always next year, right? So Yeah. So along those lines, uh, Ed Johnson, he uh, commented on our last episode, uh, SAB with Bert and Kyle. He said, nice show, guys. Don't pay any attention to Bert about podcasts over a half an hour. I sometimes burn through one of your shows or a two-hour podcast on my ride home from work, and it's only a 15-mile commute. <laughs> so I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, he says Kevin knows how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing five miles an hour the whole way home. Yeah. Yeah. Five miles, stop for five minutes. Five miles, stop for five minutes. Like, God yeah. damn, what's going on? You get out and yeah. run faster. Seriously. <laughs> wow, that was on the same uh, link that Jason commented on about Warwick. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thanks, guys. Yes, thank you. Uh, Chris Ryberg bought a new um, plane here, a little Tech One SBOC 800 millimeter from Ocean RC, and he posted a video. He said uh, he finished his new backyard beater today and had a, a demo flight. So awesome, Chris. Thank you. Nice. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Oh, it's not our Free Full RC podcast Facebook page. It's my Facebook page. I, <laughs> I posted a uh, picture of. I had my little F1 car out. I forgot to mention it, the 3D printed one at the field, and I got a chance to race it up and down the runway. But in normal Kevin fashion, I didn't see the wheels to the rims because okay. I wanted to just test things out. I didn't right. put a set screw on the pinion that was 3D printed because it just pressed in there, and I just was like, I'll test that out too. So uh-huh. what I wound up doing was 
putting a, a set screw at the field into the pinion and the main gear and the like pinion gear are both 3d printed yeah so what happened was the tire slipped off the rim like they were all slipping and sliding around but the tire pushed into the gear and made it so hot that it welded itself to the main gear the pinion oh the main my gear. god <laughs> yeah so when i stopped i could move it slightly but after i let it sit there it just hardened into one piece so i posted <laughs> a picture of that and mark ritchie was like gave me a little sad face and rob was like yeah raw power but i'll just 3d print another set of gears they weren't they weren't the best ones uh and uh, i'll ca the tires to the to the rims but it moved pretty good i was i was pretty happy with it it raced up and down pretty pretty good nice that's awesome and that's all i got dude and also i just want to you know thank again andy for hooking up some of that news feed stuff and keep it up <laughs> we yeah, definitely thanks, need, we need the help <laughs> yeah because horizon yeah. hobby hasn't had anything new in a while yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's see here so let's go to people of podbean all right people of podbean uh we had a couple things going on on podbean alan mazukic robinson started following us uh, i almost said alan yakuza started following us because it's just I don't know. How, I don't know how you pronounce that name. Um, and he liked episode 129, Uncle Ron in the house, along with Jared 4454 and BVGHJ and Mike Welch both liked episode 130, SAB with Bert and Kyle. Jericho so, Burn. So thanks, guys. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait to All run right. into Mike Welch this year. Mike yeah. Welch, Mike Welch. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm brave. I think he's going to HOD. Okay. I know he can't make it to our fun fly. Because he has a, a a family vacation planned that weekend, so like from yeah. the Fourth of July on, so which is you know yeah, I'm that's sure cool. we'll cross paths this year. Oh, definitely, we're definitely gonna see him if at any, at the very least at Rochester because I know he makes that event every year. So yeah, so uh, yeah, let me see here. So Podbean comments now. Podbean is now turning into the world of Facebook because they're messing up here. Um, oh, there's boy. comments that I read last week that are saying they're one day old, so that ain't true. But I think I left off here. Are you doing this on the Mac? I'm no, gonna... it's on my phone, okay. which I guess is a Mac still. So. All right, I'm seeing, iOS. So. I'm seeing a common denominator. Sure, Mister Skype, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. <laughs> 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 all right so we got let's see here jared 4454 now i'm not gonna say the day because i've seen the day the day that they're logging is wrong but he commented love me some uncle ron that dude has helped me out so many times with questions oh cool so, awesome and then we have that uh, the guy you mentioned alan matusik robinson i think that's how it said okay um said awesome cast can't beat Uncle Ron. So nice. Got fans of Uncle Ron. Uh, BVGHJ said, "So I was at work putting my Oxy Three back together when you guys started saying my name again. That's hilarious. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I hope to get in touch with you soon." Uh, and then he commented right after that. I guess he heard us say his name because he was like, "Cleburne, C L E E E E E E Burn, B U R N E." So Cleburne. Cleburne. I still didn't get it right. I was saying Cleburne. Cleburne, yeah. So Cleburne, or I don't know. I think Jericho Burn is still the best <laughs> name for you. So yeah. you'll always be remembered by us as Jericho Burn. Yeah. And then uh, Musical Bazi said, "Great episode, guys. 
So thanks, Muse. Thanks, Muse. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, I kind of like the Podbean comments, man. So keep 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 sending those out, and and you know, I don't care how wild or whatever you you know crazy it gets, I'll say it over there, you know, you know, try to keep it you know PG thirteen to a, a a very low level rated R. <laughs> oh boy, you listeners now know what you uh, need to do. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> right, nudge, nudge, come on, yeah, jeez, so. Now come on, let's make, let's have some fun with that. Why not? Why not comment some stuff? Let us, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see how uh, he's how, trying how to dig much... himself out right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I was gonna say, let's see how much we could piss off FCC because we're uh, all pissed off at FCC now. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? iTunes reviews. There are no new iTunes reviews. Now what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> uh, might as well just give up on iTunes. I don't know. Well, it's a Mac product. You might as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. By the way, Shannon, Mac or PC? Mac. Yes. All right, he, th- Hell yeah. he thumbs, so I got to let him have it. So you, you're allowing him to have a back because yeah. he thumbs? Okay. He's a thumb guy. <laughs> nice. I tell, tell you what's weird. If you ask Caleb, he's like Kyle Dahl. He pinches on one and thumbs on the other, but he's just okay. reverse. I don't know which one Kyle does, but. He's the opposite that he he pinches on one and thumbs on the other, so he's half and half. Yeah, Kyle's a collective pinch, um, cyclic thumb. Yeah, Caleb's so. opposite that. Huh? That's interesting. Does that mean he's Mac and PC? Is that the way that goes? <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he, no, he's using left field. He's a Mac using Linux OS on it. <laughs> I wonder if that's dependent on whether you're right-handed or left-handed. It could be. Oh, I wonder if that correlates is caleb left-handed he's right-handed but he's left-eye dominant which is weird so he right. he shoots a bow left-handed and shoots a rifle left-handed uh-huh. okay plays ball right-handed huh so because the eye dominance not because of the hand he's right-handed yeah right right hmm that's interesting well at this point uh shannon i want to Thank you for coming on the show. And if you want to give any of your contact info for folks that, you know, maybe want to join Team Only Fine Heli or they want to get in touch with you and, you know, say, hey, you know, you should stock this thing or come to my fun fly. You know, how would they do that? Sure. Um, you can if you want to do email, you can do sales at onlyfineheli.com is the easy way. Also, you can go to the Only Fine Heli's uh, Facebook page and you can message me there. Um, either way works very easily and that comes straight to my phone and I can get it quickly either way. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Shannon. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's great. It's definitely good to catch up with you and uh, it's going to be awesome to see you in this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like four days, or three days, yeah. We'll All right, drop us an iTunes review. We'll read the review in the next episode. And I'm serious, please. Drop us an iTunes review. Uh, <laughs> email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Don't forget to check out our webpage, free4rcpodcast.show. Dot show. Yes. Uh, say hi to Chris Reibert. Hey, Chris Reibert. Uh, flight Test Forums, off the field audio and video production, other than Flight Test Podcasts. Uh, free4rc podcast sitting next to our friends, the FT Community Cast. Hey, Pat and Mike. And sometimes Joel. I don't know. It's yet to be seen, I guess. I guess. 
Uh, rcheliehangouts.com forum on the RC Heli Hangouts main section, podcast corner, free for RC podcast sitting next to our good friends, the RC Heli Hooligans podcast. Hey, Walt Ned. The Full Pitch RC Heli podcast. Javier and Jimmy Jones. Nice. That is nice. <laughs> Okay, and also on the uh, RC Heli Hangouts uh, podcast corner is Telerotor. So definitely go check out their podcast. Uh, these guys are awesome. Rob Monty, Mike DiPaolo, and uh, Michael Shaggy Parker. The Shagmeister. That guy is, you know, you know. I'm gonna just going to call him Fred Shaggy and Scooby. No, no, I'm going to call out Shaggy because, <laughs> you know, all this Facebook posts about you know, podcast versus podcast and all this stuff at Spring Fling with the drag races. And, you know, he did mention, he's like, oh, I lost every drag race that I raced at Spring Fling. But he didn't mention that I beat him oh. with my Oxy 3. Yes. Got to got to toss some shit between <laughs> some friendly banter between the, uh, the podcast guys. It's awesome. Yeah. So thanks, Shannon, again for coming on our show. Yes, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. Free Air Skies. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. And, uh, brother, I get a call or not, I'll have to stop down. Unfortunately, I've I've met Steve and have a face with that name, but I have to do the same for you. Uh, did he say unfortunately? <laughs> hey, I bought one of your heavies. Uh. <laughs> All right, dude. Now it's it better. Yeah, there you go. Now. The old turn it off, turn it on again. Yeah. Um. Uh, cool. We, uh, we, we're going to have to test this dude when we're not going to, like, probably wintertime. We're not going to all these fun flies. Yeah. When we have test a free fly. moment to set up so I can update this Skype and get it working. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to do that. And, and um, yeah, definitely. We got some other stuff we got lined up. We got to get going, too. But, um, all right. Let's, why don't we start since, uh, you know, Shannon got about a minute, 45 seconds left. So, um, you know. We'll get through the show in about 45 seconds. Okay. Bert will, Bert will love it. <laughs>